This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. A blowout for Donald Trump in Iowa. What does this mean now for Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis? Does Nikki Haley get more aggressive? Uh, she might get more aggressive, but this is a make-or-break week for Ambassador Haley. With the debate now canceled this week, she's going to lose an opportunity to generate traction in New Hampshire. Debates have, have been the way she's gotten so far in this race to become someone who's close to being the rudder-up to Trump in, in a lot of these polls. But now, can she really get a coalition of independents, Democrats, and traditional Republicans? That's an open question, and she doesn't have a big moment on the calendar at this point. Donald Trump, in his victory speech in Iowa, was conciliatory. He was talking about bringing people together, an intentional shift. It's a message, but it's also a strategy. Talking to Trump's top advisors, they say they're pushing the whole Republican Party to coalesce. They want this race over. They don't want DeSantis lingering. They don't want Haley in this race uh, up until Super Tuesday. They believe with his commanding victory in Iowa, he can now storm ahead in New Hampshire. And South Carolina is no guarantee for Ambassador Haley. It's become Trump country since she was governor. From the campaign trail to a Manhattan trial, the jury has been seated in that trial to determine how much money in damages former President Donald Trump must pay E. Jean Carroll for his 2019 defamatory statements about Carroll's sexual assault allegations. Former president was already found liable last year for sexually assaulting Carroll in a department store dressing room in the 90s and for defaming her in 2022 with public statements disparaging her and denying the allegations. Well, Carroll is seeking more than $10 million dollars in damages and is expected to testify in the trial as well. Lawmakers are conveying to weigh a short-term funding bill that would avert a government shutdown. This comes as the U.S. is just days away from potentially seeing a partial closure. Congressional leaders announced a deal to fund the government throughout March 1st and March 8th. The current funding deal, which went into effect last year, funds some federal departments through this Friday. Several others are funded through February 2nd. Daniel Penny, the Marine veteran who fatally choked a man on the subway, is back in court, where Penny's lawyers have asked to dismiss the involuntary manslaughter charges against him. Penny's attorneys called the victim, Jordan Neely, quote, insanely threatening. Prosecutors have said Penny maintained the chokehold for six minutes, well past the point when Neely stopped purposeful movement. U.S. Navy is still searching for two Navy SEALs lost at sea during a mission to stop Iranian weapons from making it to Yemen. And we are just learning what their team found, missile parts found for the Houthi rebels. The Biden administration is reversing itself and is expected to redesignate the group a terrorist organization. And it comes on the same day that the U.S. military carried out a third round of strikes on the Houthis. Off the coast of Yemen, the Iranian-backed Houthis in a song and dance with new recruits aboard the Galaxy Leader cargo ship. Seized back in November, now turned into part trophy, part floating amusement park off the coast of Yemen, and a propaganda tool used to make a mockery of the American-led threats. But following last week's U.S.-U.K. bombardment, those threats turned to action again. The U.S. military says fighter jets struck four anti-ship ballistic missiles preparing to launch from Houthi territory in Yemen. Near the coast of Somalia, the U.S. military released new images. Iranian-supplied warheads and missile parts confiscated from this ship headed to Houthi militants in Yemen in an operation in which two Navy SEALs 
were lost at sea. Despite U.S.-led attempts, the Houthis say they'll keep hitting that choke point as long as Israel keeps hitting Gaza. And there's no sign of either of those battles coming to an end anytime soon. The Israeli military has been withdrawing a significant amount of troops out of northern Gaza. But, Nora, we went to that border. We saw the Iron Dome in action intercepting Hamas rockets even as Israeli soldiers pulled back. Good morning, sir. How are you? Sid, how are you? It's Judah. Judah Hanekman? Judah Hanekman here on the line with my buddy Heichel who wants to share some exciting news with you. Hi, how are you, my friend? You're calling from Israel, obviously. Actually, I'm in Cleveland. It's snowy Cleveland, Ohio right now. Oh. Uh, Judah's in Israel, and uh, we, this was an international uh, coordinated effort. Um, but I wanted to let you know that we have some great news for you. You are booked to go to Israel. Oh, my God. Week of January 28th. I love myself a um, a good rockumentary. This U2's Rattle and Hum, one of my favorites of all time. And this song, Lou Rufino, you're playing right now, Heartland, very rarely played by music stations. Only the real rabid U2 fans like me even know this song. It's a great song. But in the movie Rattle and Hum, the four band members, Bono and Larry Mullen Jr., Adam Clayton, and The Edge are sitting on like a cliff, I guess. Mountain, I don't know. And it's in Memphis, Tennessee. And Sun Studios is in Memphis, Tennessee. And you may have heard of people like, oh, I don't know, Elvis Presley, Jerry Lee Lewis, just to name a few. And they recorded a lot of their songs in this legendary Sun Studios in Memphis. And that is where you two recorded that song, Heartland, and all that is featured in the movie, Rattle and Hum. Oh, I love that movie. We're, we're on hallowed ground right now. Yes. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Look out uh, at the sunrise right there. The edge is going to write something. 
<laughs> right now. It's Very not good. there. Very the good. studio's got a lot of souls and ghosts talking to us. You know, The Edge only sang one song for you two in all these years, and you're going to play it today now because you did such a great job of Bono talking about The Edge. The name of the song is Van Diemen's Land. And again, you got to be a real U2 fan to know that one. We don't even, we barely even know it. You're <laughs> <laughs> into the Guinness, I think, right now. Listen to me. Uh, no Guinness, no. Bono. It's a great song. So maybe you'll end this segment with Van Diemen's Land by the Edge. But he does sing, though. Well, he sings, sings with, with Bono and yes. other songs, but in right. Van Diemen's Land, it's solo. Only the Edge. The only solo song he did. Obviously, Adam doesn't sing, or Larry. Right. One song, Van Diemen's Land. We'll play it at the end of this segment. Well, we played that uh, Heartland right after the announcement that was made live on this show by our friend Yehuda Hanekman and his friend Heichel. <laughs> uh, they made the reservations. It is now official as of about 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Sydney, Danielle, and Gabriel had flights. From Kennedy to Tel Aviv, Ava from London to Tel Aviv, Justin Ellick going with us to Tel Aviv. And, of course, we're going to do the shows from Jerusalem. It is official, sitting friends in the morning, live from Israel, the week of January the 29th. Now, initially, I thought I would do four shows, Monday through Thursday, but now I'm not leaving until Sunday morning, which will still get me back on time to be back in the studios Monday. So I'm going to be there on Friday. The issue becomes Shabbos. So don't forget, Israel is seven hours ahead. So our show here in New York is 6 to 10 a.m. local time. That would be 1 to 5 p.m. in Israel. And it's winter. It gets dark early. You know, I was under the impression I'm going to the desert. It's going to be 80 degrees. Uh Uh-uh. Yesterday in Israel, high 52, low 40. So it ain't warm. Uh, I wonder, Noam, you would know this. Show ends at 5 o'clock. Would JNS have us in those studios if, in fact, we're uh, coming up close to Shabbos? No. I think they might boot you out of there, yeah. Okay, so then Monday through Thursday is what it looks like, and you'll get Curtis and Andrew or John, the great John Katsimatidis, for that Friday show. But either way, you're guaranteed at least four shows live from Israel. And again, for me, it's just overwhelming. I've never been there. Never been there. Justin's been there a hundred times. You know, Dove Hyken comes on. He's been there thousands of times. Alan Dershowitz, thousands of times. I'm sure you've been there a ton, Noam. I have. My parents were, have been there 38 years, something like that. Wow. In yeah. Tel Aviv, right? Uh, Haifa. Oh, Haifa. Mm-hmm. How far is Haifa from Tel Aviv? Uh, like an hour and 20 minutes. Well, your father then should pick me up at the airport. I'm going to tell him to do that. and He'll put a hat on and he'll the show up in a limousine. Yeah. Sitting friends in the morning hat. He'll hold a sign that says sitting friends in the morning. <laughs> I'm flying in alone, you know. Uh, I'm the only person. I actually, my flight leaves after Shabbos, 1 a.m. Sunday morning. So I have to go to Kennedy Airport at like 10 o'clock p.m. next Saturday night because... Danielle, Gabe, and Justin Ellick leave later on Sunday. They don't arrive local time in Israel till 3 a.m., and that would uh, put me in a tough spot in terms of sleep. And I want to feel good for that first show on Monday. So I'm actually going by myself earlier, early Sunday morning, 
to give me the whole day in Israel on Sunday, get a good night's sleep, and do the show on Monday. Danielle, Gabe, and Justin arrived basically in the middle of the night on Monday morning. So your dad, uh, if he wants to come, he can pick me up and drive me from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. If you get me the flight number and all that, I'll, I'll absolutely make sure there's champagne in the back of the limo, the whole works. The whole thing, right? Have, yeah. have first wave playing on Sirius for him, too. <laughs> right. First you. wave, that's important. Yes. Yes. No matter what part of the day it is. Could he get nicknames in his car? In uh, Like, there's so many things that are that are bothering me that are so silly. Like, here I am going on this unbelievable trip, the trip of a lifetime, the dream trip. I mean, you guys know this. This is not being overly dramatic. This is not for the air. You're with me every day. You have seen a change in me. Is it fair to say, let me ask you, I'm not going to tell you what you've seen. Is it fair to say, Lewis and Noam, that you've seen a dramatic change in me since October the 7th? Lewis. Yes. Yes. Extremely, extremely different. Okay, well, thank you for uh, being honest. What about yep. you, Noam? Oh, yeah. I mean, I just see the, your identification with your Judaism, which I wasn't sure about what it was before. Either was I. <laughs> and now Don't it's forget, clear. I was eating veal parmesan on night three of Passover. Right. And you might still do that now, but but you clearly are more in tune with your heritage than you were before October no, 7th. No, the passion has come right to the top for you, and it's no surprise well, thank you Definitely. for saying that, both of you. You're both right. Thank you. I've lost sleep. You know it. Uh, all of a sudden, I've got a uh, bunch of new friends, people like Lizzie Savesky, and I pay attention to Noah Tishby and all these uh, young ladies and young men. And I've been horrified by all of this. Horrified. And if it sounds like I'm making this more about me because I'm Jewish, I am. I, I made this point before. When I went down to Florida, and I would explain to the South Floridians how brutal 9-11 was. And I made it more personal because on 9-11, I lived in Chelsea. I was working at WFAN in Astoria, Queens, and I lived in Chelsea, 21st Street and 8th Avenue. The smoke actually came into my windows in my apartment room, into the windows. My eyes were bloodshot red. I stood on the West Side Highway day after day with thousands of people cheering for first responders on recovery efforts. So, yes, it was a little different for us in New York than it was in Florida or Tennessee or even Pennsylvania or Washington, D.C. That doesn't mean every American wasn't affected and still are, but it was different. Same thing if you're Jewish. I appreciate the Christians that have stepped up, I really mean this, even more than a lot of Jews, I really do. But this one hit me hard. It just, I've not been the same, and I need to be there. I need to see all this. And with all that said, with a serious conversation, my fear is not the kibbutz, not what I'll see in terms of horror, but if it's going to be 46 degrees, I'm not going to be out by the pool. Where am I going to find a tanning salon in Jerusalem? Oh, there's tanning salons in Jerusalem. You won't have a problem. You sure about that? Yeah. 
believe it or not, these are the types of things that are keeping me up at night. Not, not the fact I'm going to go to a kibbutz and see all the horror that has kept me up at night, honestly, since October 8th. But um, what, what about you? a gym? What about a tanning salon? What, what about the things I do ordinarily back? What about the football games? What are you thinking that we're surprised that this is what was going well, through yes. your Yes. You're uh, not surprised? Uh, I'm slightly. How about that? <laughs> That this was going through your head. You See, kidding? that bothers me because, on one hand, you talk about how I've been changed, which was very, very nice, and then you speak as if I'm so shallow moments later. Well, well which one is it? Well, there's many facets to your personality. I'll give you that. How about that? You just, it's okay. You're Assuming just, I've only got one, of course. Right. You're multidimensional in that, yeah. in that respect, I'll have to say. So this war, uh, the Iron Dome, uh, they're continuing to intercept rockets, which is unbelievable. I don't know how much weaponry Hamas has. And I'll be down in Gaza, one of the tours that is that I have to go on, actually, which I want to go on anyway, will take me right to the Nova Music Festival, the kibbutzes, all that stuff. But now the um, the Yemen people, the Houthis, this is a second part to the war, funded, of course, by Iran, who Joe Biden funded, folks, not just in one but two administrations. So when Michael Goodwin tells me he's not uh, compliant in this, he's just wrong. You're just wrong, Michael Goodwin. He certainly is. So tell me about the, the latest with these Houthi rebels and what they're doing and what we're doing uh, in defense, Noam. Well, we, we're still having this rocket fire. We're still fighting them. And then we have this uh, moment, unfortunately, with these two SEALs. I don't know if you heard about this, but there's this search and rescue operation continuing for two U.S. Navy SEALs who went missing during a mission. They were trying to seize Iranian-made missiles from a boat headed for the Houthi fighters in Yemen. And one of the SEALs fell into the ocean while trying to board oh a small boat. And protocol is, if someone falls into the ocean, another SEAL has to go in after them, and they did. So uh, uh, we don't know what happened to them. I mean, unfortunately, it could be a drowning of something like that. But so far, they haven't been able to find either of these SEALs that went missing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, on a local front, I walked outside of my house this morning, and my beautiful wife, Danielle, did all the shoveling yesterday because I didn't get home till late in the afternoon. I'll get to that, Joe Esposito's beautiful funeral service at St. Patrick's Cathedral, and uh, every big New Yorker was there. Everybody was there. So I got home late, and Danielle had already shoveled the whole front of the house, not the driveway. So I exited my house this morning at 4 a.m. down my front steps. They were fine, but my driveway is a sheet of ice. So my warning to folks just getting up, getting dressed, first of all, it's bitter outside, really cold. Make sure you dress warm. I believe the actual temperature is 19 degrees, but the real feel is 11. How much worse, Noam, is that going to get? It's actually kind of a one-day thing. Tomorrow it's going to be in the mid-30s, so you just have to get through today. Okay, but then Saturday and Sunday is supposed to be brutal, right? Yeah, well, Friday we're going to get more snow, and then it's going to get cold again over the weekend. Aye, aye, aye. So be careful um, when you're walking. There will be some icy patches all over the place. And I don't know what the weather is like in New Hampshire, but how about my guy Donald Trump? He wins in Iowa. <laughs> then, he, then he goes to New Hampshire. Then he comes to New York City yesterday morning for this ridiculous E. Jean Carroll case. Then he goes back to New Hampshire last night. Now he's back again in New York City this morning for day two of this ridiculous E. Jean Carroll case. Then he goes back to New Hampshire later on tonight for Tuesday, of course, is the big day in New Hampshire. So far, Nikki Haley, of course, is still running. 
The bigger surprise, Ron DeSantis. Trump people even said yesterday, we are not going to waste our time talking about Ron DeSantis. Right now, Trump is lowering the hammer on Nikki Haley. What is the latest in that Republican primary? Well, we're watching New Hampshire. All eyes are on New Hampshire. That's the next, uh, well, after the caucus, the next primary. Uh, Nikki Haley was the first one to get there yesterday. She's been there a lot over the last 11 months. 75 times, I've heard. Yeah. So she's, you know, she's going to do what any retail politician is going to do. She's going to try to shake as many hands as she possibly can. Talk to everybody, because if you do get that warm handshake, a lot of times you get their vote. All right, there you have it. And, of course, after that, you've got South Carolina and then March the 5th, Super Tuesday. But uh, you can watch all the TV shows and read all the nonsense you want. A lot of these Trump haters are trying desperately every day to find a path to victory for Nikki Haley. I saw two or three different TV stations. Well, there's still a path to victory. Folks, there is no path to victory. There's never been one. There's never been one. Even if she finishes second, she came in third in Iowa, she's going to be a distant second. Neither one of these people have a chance in hell. It's over. Donald Trump has won the Republican primary. It may be another month before it's official, but he's won it. Now the only question is, who runs against Donald Trump in November? Will it be Biden and Harris, or will it be Michelle Obama and Gavin Newsom? That is the only question left, not whether or not Nikki Haley still has a path to victory. Big show today, Curtis Sliwa, Alex Trayman, he's live from Jerusalem. We're going to use his studios, JNS Studios, coming up uh, the week after next. Peter King, Janine Pirro, and maybe Daniel Penny's attorney, Tom Knipp, as well. I promised you the edge and Van Diemen's land. Here it is on a Wednesday. Hold me now, oh, hold me now, till this hour has gone around, and I'm gone on the rising tide. It's a bit of
If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at info at gabolaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. They put on Ron DeSanctimonious, who came in a boring second. Now, he, we don't talk about him too much because over here he's polling at 4%, so we'll save him where he seems to go up. But we haven't found that place yet. He's gone down a lot. I'm not sure what it is. It's almost unhealthy you've got for this, I was going to say young lady, not so young anymore, but she looks amazing. It's just incredible. Suzanne Hobbs from uh, the Bangles. She's uh, celebrating a birthday today. How old is she? 65 She She today. looks unbelievable. It's unbelievable. If you look at her Instagram page, it's unbelievable. And then she shows the changes she's gone through. And dresses she still has from back yeah. in the Bengals days. I know what you're going to say now. No, you're going to well, my God, you just sound like a, a, a pervert. Well, Ooh. you do. You sound like a, okay, an absolute good. creep. I don't care. Yeah, I agree with you, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I saw her, uh, I guess, last summer on NBC. They did this, This. Um, I don't know, I guess it was an, what do you call it when they do something nice for somebody? <laughs> They, um, <laughs> they honored Paul Simon. Oh, okay, right. And they had like all these um, other groups singing his song. So, for example, the uh, what were those annoying brothers? Uh, the Jonas Brothers. Yeah, they sang the boxer, and Susanna sang 
um, Hazy, Hazy Shade, Shade of, of Winter, Winter, which people don't realize he wrote that, Paul Simon. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God, she hasn't aged in 30 years. No. And she tells a story about that, too, how she was uh, in school at the time before the band and heard the song come on the radio and loved Simon and Garfunkel. And she said, I, just, I thought I knew all their songs. And then this came on and it sort of changed my life. And then uh, we did it in our own way, the band. And we were honored to perform it at the Paul Simon. Yeah. I think she she mentions that. She's really talented, actually, oh, she's great. too. Because she plays with a lot of artists. She's written songs for the Go-Go's and uh, a couple of other bands. I just God, lost you it. love her. Yeah. You are kind of creepy a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't care. if it's just... You think you think that uh, you know more about Susanna Hobbs than anybody in the world? I, no, I hope not. Not like <laughs> I'm hoping not her parents or her mother or something. What because... do you know more about Susanna Hobbs or the Houthi Rebels? Well, I'd say if the Houthi rebels dressed a little better like right. her. And sang a decent song. Yeah, right. and could play <laughs> yeah. guitar like her. I then it would be close, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're going to they're gonna have to go a long way to top Susanna. I got it. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Happy birthday, Susanna, from all of us, especially Lou, on Sid and Friends in the Morning. So Trump again back in New York this morning, second consecutive day, as I mentioned earlier, for that ridiculous E. Jean Carroll trial. She claims he raped her. In Bergdorf Goodman, and of course, he didn't. And my friend Joseph Takapina made sure the jury realized he didn't, and they did. So you folks don't know this, the Trump haters, because you're stupid. But there's literally a list in front of the jury. There's a list. You know there's no. And the list says this. If you don't pick one, pick two. Kind of like a, a menu at a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> So if you don't pick rape, the second one down is some type of sexual offense, assault. So they did that. They could not get Donald Trump on rape because it's a lie. So they did the best they could to hit him with something, and they went to the second item on the menu, and they tacked on some ridiculous $5 million fine. But the truth is, Takapina won. Because the last thing you can afford to have is people calling you a rapist when you're running for any legitimate office. And they can't do that because that's not what happened. So for the last couple of days, you people have been texting me and emailing me about Joseph Takapina. I've never seen people who want to get in everybody else's business. If I had a dollar... For every message I've gotten, where's Bo Deedle, and why did Takapina fire Donald Trump? Oh, I'd have a billion. It's none of your business. No, any of it. Non-stop, any of it. Non-stop. Right. Bo's just not here. He's busy. He's got stuff to do. Bo and I are best friends. Bo and I went to that funeral together yesterday and sat next to each other. But he's busy. That's, That's it. Can I tell you something that happened years ago at FAN? And it regards you. This is regarding you. You'll find this. Well, I was always in trouble, always out. Correct. Jails, rehabs. Okay. So it was regarding, it's quick. So you were gone for a number of, like a week already. You were gone. Off the show, you were with, with, with Imus and us. And I took a couple of phone calls that week. One person called. It was after the show. And I was in the newsroom having lunch. I picked it up. Hey, yeah. Oh, hey, Lou. Oh, yeah, great. Um, Where's Sid been? 
where is Sid? Where is Sid? And, I, and you know, we were just instructed. Plus, I knew it's it's his own personal business. Well, Sid has got personal things to take care of right now, and he's okay, and he'll be back. No, no, no. I something's wrong. <laughs> something's wrong. <laughs> You've got to tell me. Yeah, you got to tell you me. You got to tell yeah. me. Yeah. And I yeah. said, sir, I I, I don't have to. Tell you right. this is his personal business, yeah. but I'm telling you he's all right, yeah. and that's what I, I know. That's it. I mean, this is what happened. No, I know something <laughs> is up. Something's up yeah. that your station's not. He was getting mad. Same and thing. Yelling. Same yelling. thing. You got to tell me. I'm dealing with the same <laughs> nonsense, so I'm not telling you anything. Here's the deal. Bo's busy, and like I said, went to the funeral together yesterday. Hung out with him last week. Me and Bo Deedle are great. And he still smells great. Still smells great. Still dresses great. And as for Takapina, he's busy. That's all you need to know. Okay? He's got ASAP Rocky and Rihanna in Los Angeles. The guy's flying back to L.A. every couple of days. He's busy. That's it. It's hilarious to watch them speculate oh. online about, hey, you know, I heard. Then no they get mad at me. No they get mad at me. reference to him the other day. Maybe it has to do with yeah. uh, Tuesday. He said <laughs> this. Idiots. It's none of your business. It's so hilarious. Yeah, where's Lydia Serrani? And where's. It's, it's none of your business. You're you know, I, yes. I saw Deb the other day walking down Lexington. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and, they, and, and they get mad at me, you know? like Yeah, you're keeping something. Right. So, yeah, and, 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 by way, and maybe I am, but that's it. It's tough. <laughs> Do I walk into your office and go, hey, where's your, uh, where's your boss? I don't know who your boss is. Right. You people seem to think because you do listen every day, and I thank you for that. I love you for that. And I've made you part of my family and our family that you're entitled to information. You're not. So don't worry about it. That's what I said to this guy, too, that day. I went, sir, I don't come to your job and ask when you have right. sick. Or he goes, but, but he, he just ignored what I was saying. They and just care. goes, they no, care. no, no, Sid's got Sid's got something going on. <laughs> yeah. And I, he was so believable. Yeah, well, good call he, out of that yeah. guy. Maybe it was the page three story in the New York Post that I was right. just loaded the, with cocaine in a hotel room that gave that one away. <laughs> just check the papers tomorrow, sir. You'll that's see. Idiots. <laughs> but, but I miss Bowen. Okay, I, that's great. Call him. Find a way to reach out to him. I don't care. But I, I don't bet this ask is happening. Me. I bet this is what's going on. Right. So, again, I'm going to put this to rest right now. Bo Deedle's busy, and Joseph Takapina, he's busy. That's it. And I'm busy, too. Busy going to my Tunnel to Towers update, which I do every Wednesday. <laughs> my man, Frank Siller. Hey, I, I heard about Frank Siller. you got to tell me what's going on with him. Wait, wait something is fishy. What is happening? I bet Bo knows, and he's not there either. <laughs> the foundation, Tunnel to Towers, continues to make good on its commitment to never forget our nation's fallen heroes. Take a listen. Tunnel to Towers believes it is of the utmost importance to recognize and appreciate the sacrifices our first responders make daily to ensure our safety and security. One such hero is Worcester Police Department Officer Emmanuel Familia. Familia and his fellow officers responded to a rescue call at a local pond. During the recovery attempt, Officer Familia failed to resurface, resulting in his unfortunate passing. Familia left behind his beautiful wife, Jennifer, and their two children. You know, in his final moments, Familia demonstrated incredible bravery and selflessness, a legacy that will live on forever. 
in the hearts of his loved ones and uplifted by the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The mortgage on a familiar home was paid off as part of the foundation's fallen first responder home program, ensuring his wife and children they can continue to live in the home that they shared with their beloved husband and father. Join the foundation on its mission to support America's heroes and their families they leave behind. Donate just $11 a month. Visit T2T.org today. That's T, the number 2T.org. That's right, folks. Never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. By the way, Daniel Penny, the Marine hero who um, unfortunately killed Jordan Neely on the train, but the guy was, uh, was a threat. And Daniel Penny was doing his job as an American and a hero. And, uh, well, it doesn't matter. They got him in court, Alvin Bragg, grand jury, all that nonsense. Due back in court today, his attorney is a dear friend of mine. His name is Tom Kniff. In fact, you may hear the Kniff Razor commercials for their law firm on this station. Kniff, you may not know this, actually ran against Alvin Bragg for DA here in New York. But you losers, you morons, voted in Alvin Bragg instead of Kniff. All Knip has done is served in Afghanistan, Iraq. He's a war hero. He's a lawyer. He's brilliant. Nah, no thanks. Give me that racist dummy Alvin Bragg. Now Knip is representing Daniel Penny. Well, he has been since day one. And with Penny back in court today, and only we can do this, we've got Tom Knip coming on at 8.15, right before Peter King and Judge Janine Pirro. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a deal near you. They're the world's best built boilers, starting with ice hockey at the Garden last night. Blake Wheeler had two goals. Capo Caco scored in his second game back from a long injury absence. And the Rangers beat the Seattle Kraken 5-2. Igor Shostokin made 29 saves as the Rangers won their second straight after four consecutive losses. Vincent Trocek and Eric Gustafsson scored in the first for New York to set the tone for a Blue Shirts win before the boys head out west for a four-game road trip to face Vegas, L.A., Anaheim, and San Jose. New York is 15-6-0 halfway through its home schedule and 17-0-1 when scoring four or more goals this season. They also improved to 13-5-1 against Western Conference teams. In Winnipeg, the Islanders got doubled up by the Jets. Final score there, 4-2 last night. Anders Lee scored twice for the Islanders, who were coming off a 5-0 loss to the Minnesota Wild on Monday. Ilya Sorokin stopped 40 shots for New York, which is 1-5-0 in its last six matches and 2-5-1 during the month of January. Tonight, the Devils return to action at home, getting set to welcome in the Montreal Canadiens for a 7 p.m. puck drop in the NBA. The Knicks are back out there tonight at the Garden, welcoming in the Houston Rockets for a 7.30 p.m. tip-off. The Nets will suit up as well in Portland, getting ready for a 10 p.m. tip-off against the Trailblazers. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
Shut my eyes and up and decide that you're here with me. Will you ever return? I won't be satisfied till you're back. 652 my side on your cold hump day. Tunnel to Towers Wednesday morning, 19 degrees. Real feel is Yelelm. That's a cold day, brother. A lot of great guests coming your way today. Curtis Sliwa, Alex Trayman, live in Jerusalem at the JNS Studios, the same studios we are going to use for the week of January 29th, and we come live to you from Israel. We'll also talk to uh, Tom Kniff, Daniel Penny's attorney, Penny back in court today, Peter King and Judge Janine. But I did mention earlier yesterday, I left early, Curtis did the final hour, because I went to St. Patrick's Cathedral for my friend uh, Joe Esposito. It occurred to me the last time I was at that cathedral was for Bernard. That wasn't Bernard's funeral. His funeral was actually out by his house on Long Island, but John Katsimatidis, God bless him, and Margot and Chad and everybody put together this beautiful mass. But the last funeral I went to before Joe yesterday was for two slain police officers. You may remember two young guys, both in their 20s, Moya and Rivera, who were gunned down and murdered by some crazy guy in a Harlem housing project who his mother called the police, and as soon as those two guys arrived, he opened fire and killed them both. And so I went to that funeral years ago, and ironically, the person that got me into the church that day, because it was packed, packed, and the person I sat next to that day was Joe Esposito. And last night, uh, yesterday, I should say, I was there for him, which was surreal and sad, and it was a, a lovely service. You know, Peter King is going to join me at 845, and I sat with Peter and Bo Deedle. First thing Peter said to me was, there's nothing like the services for our officers. And he was right. You know, the family is always very tough to listen to when Esposito's daughter spoke, and it was hard. It was hard. Thank God Joe lived till 73. He wasn't in his 20s like those police officers gunned down, but he was such a great man, and so many people loved him. And that was evidenced by a packed church yesterday. And Curtis is not going to want to hear this, but Mayor Adams was great. A lot of you are not going to want to hear it. I don't care. God, grow up. He was great. Doesn't mean he's a great mayor. Doesn't mean he's done well with the migrants. Doesn't mean any of that. have to separate the two. His speech at the church yesterday, because he knew Joe, because he was a cop for 22 years, was really terrific. As was... The police commissioner, Eddie Caban, both of those guys spoke, and they were both great. Now, the Monsignor, Casado, who a lot of you know, and uh, I saw Monsignor Casado, ironically, a couple of times at La Sorrentina Restaurant, Lewis. My guys, John and Joseph Mazzola, they used to go together. Monsignor Casado, Joe Esposito. Patricia Domango, you know, the judge on television. And Casado did the eulogy, and he was terrific. It was just 
Every speech yesterday was great. And every, not every, but almost every big politician, cop, they were there. Starting with Mayor Adams to Mayor Rudy Giuliani and his son Andrew. They were great. So um, <laughs> not such a great mayor, Bill Big Bird de Blasio was there. In fact, he was the only person I did not shake hands with. He was the only one. That was it. Everybody else, a hug, a kiss, I shook hands. Bill walked by me. I didn't even look at him. You know what was ironic, funny I should say, was you know who sat next to Bill de Blasio at the funeral? And this guy I love. And uh, yesterday, he, in fact, this guy said to me yesterday, man, are you working out three times a day? Couldn't be nicer. And that is former police commissioner Ray Kelly. Kelly sat next to de Blasio. I go to Bo and Pete. Could you imagine that one? Really? So Ray was there. Um, I have a whole list of people that were there. George V., he was there for us, the great FBI man upstairs, Red Apple Media. We love him. He was there yesterday, but um, Bernie Carrick was there, the former police commissioner. Mike Kemper, transit uh, chief. Uh, Paul DiGiacomo. Head of the DEA, former Commissioner Keyshawn Sewell. I love her. Man, do I love her. And I love Eddie Caban, too. But Keyshawn, it's funny, when I first met her, I met her at the Tunnel to Towers dinner where they honored John and Margot last year. You remember that dinner, Lou? It was beautiful. Yep. And I'd never met Keyshawn before. And I met her that night, and she was so standoffish and so disinterested. I texted the mayor, and I said, your police commissioner hates me. And he's like, no, she doesn't. I go, yes, she does. She wouldn't even take a, she was like, she was just not very nice. And I think I've seen her 20 times since. And she's the nicest. I love her. And don't forget when she left office, she actually delivered a bag of items to me here, thanking me, which included these beautiful gold and green NYPD cufflinks. She was there and I love her. I think I mentioned uh, everybody else. Joe Esposito was 73 years old. He ran the emergency department. He ran the buildings department. Spent 13 years as the chief of department between 2000 and 2013. And ask anybody from Rudy Giuliani to Bernie Carrick how vital and important Joe Esposito was on 9-11. And they don't have enough time to tell you. He was a hero, but one of the sweetest men ever. And I have to tell you, folks, almost every day, like my dad, almost every day for the better part of three years, Joe Esposito texted me during the show. How many times, if you listen back, Justin, to some of our interviews with some of the city officials, do I say on the air during the interview, oh, by the way, Joe Esposito says hello. All the time. All the time. Yeah. And that was because Joe would text me and say, hey, say hello. Yeah. So I wouldn't wait till after the interview. I'd say on the air, hey, Joe Esposito says hello. You'd cut him off, actually. Yeah, <laughs> cut him off. Hey, Joe says hello. <laughs> yeah. And they all loved him, so it was sad. But uh, the, the, the NYPD, they did a tremendous job yesterday, and nobody does it better than St. Patrick's Cathedral, Cardinal Dole, and the rest of those guys. So rest in peace, my friend Joe Esposito. Rest in peace. That brings us to five great guests, Curtis Sliwa, Alex Freeman, Tom Kniff, Peter King, and Judge Janine Pirro. Keep it right here, folks. Three great hours 
of Sitting Friends in the Morning continues exclusively on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Why don't you come back? Please hurry, why don't you come back? Please hurry. Come back and stay for good this time. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Oi! This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Give me shelter, classic Rolling Stones. But when I hear this song, I want to punch Dustin Ellicott across his face. Why is that, Lewis? Or is that the case with a lot of songs? Is that what it is? No. <laughs> yeah. I guess this is uh, it's, this song, I've got the Martin Scorsese effect, you know. Anytime Martin takes a song and puts it in one of his mob movies, and I know Frank Morano, Godfather was better than Goodfellas. That's your opinion. Martin makes these songs into anthems. When I hear this song, I want to hit somebody. There must be a birthday in the Rolling Stones band or something. Is that right, Lou? 
Uh, one of their early guitarists, Mick Taylor. Mick Taylor? Yeah. Not exactly as well known as mm, Keith Richards and no, Mick Jagger? Was, no, he came in during, but he played on three or three or four of their Did albums. he play on this one and give me a shelter? Yes, he played oh, on wow. Lennon Bleed. You know, I mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show, because we played Heartland by U2, the rockumentary Rattle and Hump, which I loved with U2, but I think I saw Let's Spend the Night Together more than once. I'm sure you saw that a bunch, right, Lewis? I saw it. Yeah, in in some form, and if I was coherent or not, I, I know me too. <laughs> Did you like it? I, yeah, what I remember, sure. Yeah. Did you ever go see the Rocky Horror Picture Show in Brooklyn? Yeah, at, on campus at Fordham. Oh, and, campus at Fordham. Yeah, okay. they would play it sometimes. I used Just to go to a, a theater. It was called the Marlboro Theater. I'm not even sure if it's still there. It was in Bensonhurst in Brooklyn, you know. And I would always go to the Friday night show, the midnight show. And I just wanted to go, wow, you know. My parents were very, very strict, a Jewish boy in Brooklyn. But they let me do that, go see that stupid movie. And I hated it every time. I can't understand to this day what the whole rave was about that. Throwing toast? Yes. It was just stupid. <laughs> the movie was stupid. Was. Did you like it? No, I didn't understand what was going on. Not me was, either. And I was kind of inebriated, maybe. Well, maybe something. that's why. So, Oh, yeah. hey, this is great. And I did it more than once, but... Of course, it wasn't the only time in my life I've done something more than once. I'm not sure I did even once. Curtis Sliwa. So I walk into the, uh, the the church yesterday for Joe Esposito's funeral. And uh, when I walk down the streets now, I get mobbed. It's, it's funny because, you know, I don't really consider myself that big of a star, but I really am a big star. And um, it's surreal for me. So I walk into the church, and the first guy I see, I don't know him. Like, there were so many recognizable faces. I went over it last time. I don't know this guy, cop. And he goes, quickly, get back to the studios. Curtis is killing your last hour. And I looked at him, and I said, Curtis is great. And he laughed, and he said, I'm kidding. We love Curtis, and we specifically love it when Curtis and you are on together. And I get that all the time. So this is actually a Curtis Sliwa testimonial. That although people love Curtis's own show, The Rip and Read and Weekends, they love it when he comes on here this time of the day and just eviscerates everybody. So, for example, I said, Mayor Eric Adams, I don't care whether you think he's a good mayor or not. You can make a very good argument. He's a terrible mayor. But he spoke yesterday at Esposito's funeral, and he was great. He was great. But something tells me that, Curtis, you're going to find a way to poop on that, aren't you? Well... I just asked you the question now that you'll be on your way to Israel. And by the way, I prepared an itinerary for you. Really? We'll get into that momentarily. Yeah, I wish you could. I would take you with us. I really would because you're part of the show daily like Justin Ellick. But we need somebody back in the studios. Yes. Just in case something goes awry. And I, I'd be a pretty good guy to have been there three times uh, and taking it from Golan Heights right on down to Eilat. But, but let me get to this situation. Imagine you're going to Israel. And you're saying, I love Roger Waters of Pink Floyd, right? Roger Waters is one of the biggest Jew haters in the world. Right, but great musician, right? Yeah, Pink, Pink Floyd. Floyd is great, yes, yes. You are able to separate or not in that case? Is there a pink pig flying over your head when you're in Israel? You're Hazarai. <laughs> Let me just say this. Comfortably Numb, one of my favorite songs yes. ever. Yes, But I believe that me and Lou have placed a ban on Pink Floyd because of Roger Waters' Jew-hating. So the answer is 
Yes. Oh, so again, you can overlook all the failures of Eric Adams. He was probably up there with a $5,000 customized suit. That's what attracted you. And he gave a good speech. And I noticed you said, oh, he's a cop for 22 years. Well, we learned that he was a computer program in the transit police taking all the paperwork from the, uh, from the uh, back room and putting it on floppy disks. And this guy was a house mouse. You keep, you guys keep saying 22 years a cop. Did he make one collar? You think he was out there I think busting he made, his shoes? I think, I think he made seven arrests in 22 years. Seven arrests, but yeah. you're not sure, right? Well, I just don't care. I mean, again, I'm just talking about his speech yesterday. The only collar he was ever concerned with was to make sure he didn't have ring around the collar when he had his white shirt on <laughs> as a house mouse. But anyway, let's get on to other things. Eddie Caban made a great speech, too. I'm sure they all gave great speeches, right? Yeah. It's what they do in the streets and with our city. You mentioned Monsignor Casado. Do you know I grew up with Monsignor Casado? Uh, do, of, I know he's a Canarsie guy, so the answer well, is yes, I do. Him did. and uh, his mother and my mother once a week would play cards, and his mother would always cheat. I spotted her cheating at the table, and I tell my mom, well, no, she's you cheating. Do, you can't do this. You cannot accuse a Monsignor's mother of cheating. Damn right. I even <laughs> had that conversation with Monsignor Casado about two years ago. I said, you know, your mother was, was dealing from under the deck. She was cheating my mother, Francesca. My mother was so naive. Come on, Curtis. How can you save that? I was the choir boy. He was the guy, uh, altar boy. He keeps calling to me. Hey, you want to be a priest? I said, that's the last thing in the world I want to be is a freaking priest. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we spend time in the same house. Once a week, I had to watch his mother cheating that's my funny. mother in cards. Well, he did do a very good job, and also your other good friend. By the way, did you uh, spot his Rolex on his uh, I did. wrist? I did, I yeah. <laughs> did. How do you afford that Rolex? You know, I, I looked over at Peter King. He was going to join me at 840, and I said, this is a great speech. And Monsignor Casado was, like, really emotional. But he talks more like a mobster than he does a priest. And he's right, right out. He's right out of Goodfellas. I mean, he really is. We're not talking Godfather. That was fantasy. Goodfellas, the real deal. Thank you very much. I, I grew up with some of those guys. And the Bamboo Lounge, guess what? It was in Canarsie. So they got torched right there, Avenue N and Rockaway Park. So that's not far then from where the old Gemini Lounge was. No, no, but uh, close. Exactly, but that's yeah. uh, as you head over to right, Flatbush. Right. So then the other Monsignor was there too. Your friend Monsignor Jamie was there yesterday. You know him? Yeah. Who oh, wouldn't it. let me speak at the Williamsburg annual Ujulio feast? You know, it's funny you he say that. He gave me a microphone to Eric Adams. He introduced him as the I man. Loves Adams. The crowd wanted me to speak. You know, this guy, I went into, um, you'll know this place. When Danielle and I go shopping, we buy our, you know, locally we've got stop and shop. We sell Gristini's in the city, but when we do a real shop, we go into Brooklyn. And we buy our meats and other stuff at a place called Landy's, which is the best. It's in Brooklyn, right there by um, Mill Basin, Avenue N. And right across the street is a place called Sea Tide, where we buy all of our seafood, okay? But you walk into Landy's, or Sea Tide, one of those two, and on the counter is a cookbook. A cookbook for Monsignor Jamie, I swear to God. So I met him once or twice. Very nice to me. I met him with Peter King, Bartolo Colon at the, uh, you know, the Cyclone Stadium this year. But so many people reacted the way you did just now, like roll their eyes and he didn't let me do this. He didn't show up for that. Uh, let me tell you something. You ask these guys, what is a Monsignore? Eh? Well, you tell me what, what a Monsignore is. Monsignore, Father, uh, you know, just, just, uh, 
<laughs> yeah. What is a monsignor, right? And by the way, how have you changed? I'll tell you how you changed. Because I listened to your entire program. I'm not a fair weather friend. I'm in the subway. I'm dealing with the homeless. By the way, because of this cold snap, uh, the trains are just a moving hotel of American homeless people. Because they don't get to stay at the Roosevelt Hotel, Eric Adams. Our people have to sleep in the subways, some of them veterans. But let me not digress. We get back to the fact that here we are, right? You got you got yourself, you got all these very important people paying tribute to Joe Esposito, right? Yes. This is how I've changed? No. You used to want to go to St. Patrick's Cathedral all the time. Remember, you would say, gee, I like going over well, there. Well, I did. I did go quite a bit for the Friday Mass at 12 o'clock. In yes, fact, see, see? three years ago on Ash Wednesday, yes. and Luke still can't believe this to this day, I got my ashes at St. Patrick's, See? which I was told by the father I can do even as a Jew. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. You should, you should impale yourself with a menorah. What the hell is wrong with you? And by the way, let's bring up the Catholic Church. How come I haven't heard any favorable comments by the Catholic Church in Rome towards the state of Israel, which is under siege, huh? Have we not heard that? It, no, because it's all about the real estate. Wait, 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 the, 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 the Pope must have said something. He said, who got? Really? He said, bumpkins. See, I'm not, uh, this is why I love you so much, Curtis. And I, I'm, I am guilty of this. I'm, I'm so narrow. Like, I keep my friends. I'm listening to, to Alyssi Savetsky. I'm listening to Noah Tishby. I'm listening to the people that love the Jews. So, I'm losing track of folks that aren't treating us well. Like, for example, I know BLM, that's why I quit the YMCA. They've been scumbags. I know a lot of Hollywood has not done the right thing. But for some reason, I thought the Pope stepped up. But now that I think about it, if the Pope does say something, if he does, he's also probably going to sympathize with the Palestinians. And once you do that, you've lost me. You've lost Sid, me. you're going to Israel. I want you to go to the old city in Jerusalem. Okay. Look at all the Christian shrines and the Christian uh, important places. Uh, How of far history. is the old city in Jerusalem from? I guess this is going to sound stupid. I just don't know from modern day Jerusalem. Every, everything is like it's like you're in Jersey. Okay. It's just all imagine close. you're in Jersey. Right. So close. Right. All the Christian shrines are owned either by uh, John Katsimatidis's church, the Greek Orthodox, or right. the Armenians. Those are good people. The Catholics have nothing. You see, the Catholic Church wants a land grab in Jerusalem. They want it to be a U.N. city. They want to take it away from Israel. And, you know, it becomes sort of the Disney world of all re Christian religions, the Muslims. Is that true? Is that true? Absolutely. So you're telling me the Pope and all these uh, bishops and abbots and monsignors, that's how they feel? Uh, when have they given a speech in support of the state of Israel? Huh? I, I haven't heard it yet. Uh, and you're not going to hear it. <laughs> let me tell you something. You're not going to hear it. But let me get back to... Uh, uh, the penance that Justin Ellis had to pay yesterday in the hour you were away, I enforced the penalty because, again, the curse of George Norcross was upon his Philly Eagles, in which Laurie, the owner, kicked out his proud Jew, George Norcross, executive box with the Israeli-American flag, while Shamu El Hefe, Chris Christie, on his way now to be in SeaWorld down in Florida, uh, was there to cheer on his Dallas Cowboys. If you remember, I talked about the curse of George Norcross and what happened, the Eagles crashed and burned. So Justin Ellick's job is to sell Israel bonds. 
is to go out and support the state of Israel. David Ben-Gurion, I wish you could visit the humble location he lived, as I did when I was in Israel at the kibbutz, right there in the Negev, the, in the Negev Desert, by, by the way, not far from the chocolate factory where Israel has its 80 nuclear weapons aimed at all of its enemies. To see the humble way that he was living in Israel, your first prime minister, and by the way, only five foot tall. Hardcore socialists told JFK off at the time, President, you don't tell us we can't have nuclear weapons. There will never be a second Holocaust. You could turn off the money to America from America here. You can turn off military aid. We are going to have our own military we- uh, weapons. And they got 80 of them, all primed and ready to go right out of that chocolate factory that I saw in the Negev Desert. So I'd love you to be able to visit that. You may not have the time. The Tomb of the Patriarch. Abraham, oh my God, in Hebron, that is a scary place. The Hebron? Hebron. I'll you say you it's scary because uh, the Palestinians live there too, right? Oh, but they I fornicated mad dog, all the Jews. Really? They, they I for, and, and then you so, got to. Uh, my, my daughter's not going there. You got to go that. to the tomb of Rachel, the entrance to Bethlehem. It's surrounded by all the Arab uh, Palestinians. And I'm telling you. I know you're going to be on a whirlwind uh, tour, but if you can fit any of that in, it would be magnificent. And again, it's like traveling no, the no, state no. of New Jersey. We have time uh, because, again, the show will air. In Israel, it'll be 1 to 5 in the afternoon. There's seven hours ahead, which is yes. great. And then uh, Friday, I can't do the show because of Shabbos. So I can travel all day Friday. Uh, Saturday is still Shabbos. But I'll still be there Saturday. We don't leave until Sunday, and we get back in plenty of time to be back in these studios on Monday. So I've got all the time after and before the shows, Monday through Thursday, and sometime, even though it's Shabbos, on Friday and Saturday. So uh, thank you for doing that. Send me that, and I will make I it will. my business I will. to if get to those can. places. If you can, because they probably have a, a large agenda for you. Well, they, we do have uh, part of the deal with the um, with the uh, organization. Yes, that is uh, sending us to Israel is to put on their tour guide. Yes, of course. Who of does course. everything from, he'll be taking me to Gaza to go to the Nova Music Festival to see those kibbutzes to the Wailing Wall. Do you have guardian angels in Israel? No. You no, don't? No. How no. many countries around the world are 13 there? 13 countries, 130 cities. Our anniversary is February 13th, 45th anniversary. And we're wow. going to be, we're going to be flooding the subways again. Subways are out of control, no matter what your friend Kemper says. It's not there. his fault, though. I'm not saying anything about it. It's not Michael's fault. He does the best he could. But let me get back let on me, track. Let me ask here. you this. No, no, let me ask you this. Yes. You become mayor tomorrow. Yes. Okay? You're going to fix that? Damn right. Tell me how you do Day that. one. You control. You sound like Trump. My God, you must love Donald Trump. Day uh, one. We have a love-hate relationship. <laughs> uh, you control who comes in to the system at the turnstiles. If you don't control that, you lose well, control how do you of do, the how system. How do you do that? Okay. By enforcement. Enforcement. Fair evaders. They're not doing any of that now. It's absolutely. Well, okay, but, 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 okay, but is that on Michael Kemper or yes. is that on the legislator, the lawmakers who say. No, no, that's on Michael Kemper because he has to assign cops. And by the way, you'll never see a cop on a moving train walking up and down the train like Michael Kemper had to, like Eric Adams was trained to do, although he never did it as a transit cop. Up and down the trains, that's where the action is, not on the platforms. So that's what I would do from day one. But let me tell you how bad things saw. The biggest story yesterday, and people missed it. It shows you how bad our country is, the bad shape. That underwear and socks are the latest items to be locked up 
by Walmart and Target. <laughs> now, my mother always so told me, she says, Curtis, make sure you have a fresh pair of underwear on in the morning and that your socks are not holy in case you have to go to the ER, the emergency room. I don't want you, like, all of a sudden he said, what, what kind of a family is that? The guy's wearing dirty underwear <laughs> and he's got holy socks. I was paranoid about that. Yeah, yeah. Even when I got shot. I've shot five times with hollow point bullets. I can barely breathe. I'm wondering, damn, did I change my underwear? Do I have holy socks? Oh. That's how it was ingrained in my wow, head. Wow, your mom was such a spunny. Now, did, did, but did, now if I ran well, in and tried to get a pair of socks and a pair of underwear, I got to wait 40 minutes in wait. the aisle. Now, when you got shot, yes. did you soil your underwear? Did you make pee-pee or duty? What or the hell do you think? <laughs> of course. <laughs> You wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere near me, man. You needed a gas mask, a hazmat suit. I was leaking. And I wasn't just leaking uh, blood. By the way, you were talking about the amenities you may be missing when you're over there in Jerusalem, yeah. King David Hotel, uh, wherever well, you're staying. I'm not staying at the King well, David Hotel, visit. but I'm staying in a very, very nice four-star hotel not far from the King David in Jerusalem. you, you got to visit it. And uh, all you got to do is do what uh, hello, gorgeous Vinnie Bassiano did all those years in uh, in custody in the federal system, man tan. Just put a little man tan on it. <laughs> It'll bronze you, right? Come on, you got to cut corners. You got four days. And by the way, you talked about how Bill de Blasio was sitting up there in the front row of St. Patrick's right Cathedral. Right next to Ray Kelly. Jesus Christ should have struck him down. He fired Joe Esposito. Again, I can't say it enough. You gave me the opportunity to do my tribute to Joe Esposito for the hour when you were going to St. Patrick's Cathedral. I told the story. It was 2018. November Esposito was on a badly needed vacation. They got seven inches of snow. And what did Bill de Blasio do? He didn't blame his golden girl, Kathy Garcia, the sanitation commissioner, who was like, hey, pass the great poupon. She knew nothing about sanitation. The city was a mess. Who did he blame? Joe Esposito. And then he didn't have the balls to sit down with Joe and say, either resign or I fire you. He left it to a deputy mayor, a young lady, England, and she said, you have two choices, resign, Joe, or you're fired. And he said, young lady, before you were birthed, I was a cop. If the mayor wants to fire me, let him do it in person. And that punk, that punk Bill de Blasio, who single-handedly destroyed the city. Right. Suddenly is sitting in the front row acting like he was a friend of Joe Esposito. That is a double disgrazia. As God, Jesus Christ is my judge. You should have struck him down right there in the front row. And goddamn anybody who would have given him mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. In the morning, 77 WABC.
actually saw these guys, the Smiths, with my man Morrissey on Broadway. He had a Broadway show for a while, Morrissey, and he did songs like this. This is, of course, How Soon Is Now, off of the great Meat Is Murder Smiths album. <laughs> I know you're laughing because I know this stuff, but... That, that is exactly why I'm laughing. Yeah, you can't That's believe funny. it, I know. The, the, the intricate little detail yeah. that you have stored... Of crazy music. They're not just music. I mean, I am probably the only guy in the world that can do a show on WFAN. I know sports as well as anybody. I got the number one show on this station. I'm the most common sense politics guy you'll ever meet. And I can easily do a show on Q104. Easily. I would. Yeah, you could. I could. I mean, I don't know as much as you or Jim Kerr, but I'm I'm okay. No, I can you, get it done. You could easily yeah. get it done. You know enough. And, <laughs> yeah. and you have Rich Ackerman on next to you, and you'd be fine. <laughs> oh, I think they play yeah. it on that other record too. Well, right. well listen, yeah. I was an avid listener for the WDRE, and uh, my yeah. good buddy Vinny Campiral, good-looking Vin, and those were the days when Big Audio Dynamite and Flesh for Lulu and all these bands were my favorite bands. <laughs> yes. That's right. I said it. Flesh for Lulu. Great band. Isn't that great? That is a great band. Florence and the, uh, well, you know what I'm talking I'm about. Some, somebody. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I do, though. That's what's pretty crazy. You do. <laughs> well, that's why I love traveling in the car with you, because you've got that same channel on Sirius XM, The Wave. Yeah, well, I put it on, and then I try to get off it. Like, oh, wait, wait No, 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 don't this touch it. Great. Don't touch this it. This is great. This is just what we heard oh. this morning. And I went, yeah, that's what I want oh, to change. Oh, the whole trip, I'm, I'm, I'm erect. You have Echo and the Bunny Man. You've I'm got the to, Smiths. Yeah, I try not to look at that part. I am human. So I used to work with this girl, Jill Vitale. You know Jill very well. Her nickname is Flirty Flipper. And uh, Jill... I'll always love her. She's doing great these days. She's like a uh, YouTube star. I swear to God, she has millions. Listen to me carefully. Millions of followers. So who would have thought? She does these uh, YouTube videos with her two daughters, who I also love. They're great kids. And they're dumb. But people love them. They love them. Jill is no dummy. She's smart. And, in fact, she's doing a commercial these days with uh, Kevin Hart or something. She's done very well for herself. But she was, you know those people when they hear a song, they go, oh, that's from this show. Right. So, for example, one of the great songs ever, Blue Oyster Cult, The Reaper. Don't fear The Reaper. Right. Some uh, stupid Will Ferrell movie where he asked for more cowbells. She thinks they wrote the song for that movie. Yeah, yeah it's it hurts. It hurts <laughs> right. to hear sometimes. Right. So that song you just played, they used in the very, very popular TV show, Charmed, right? With uh, who's uh, the? Oh, she's such a bitch. The uh, one Lisa, that uh, Lisa Milano. yeah, Alyssa Milano, and um, and it wasn't the Smiths, I think they. No, they was, used the Smiths. I was think. it the? Smiths? I believe so. I, you may be right. Maybe somebody else redid it. I think it was another band. What was the other chick they used on that show? She was kind of cool, but she also went. Uh, I think she accused Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, yeah. not Rosie oh, Perez. Oh, uh, uh, Bur- is it Burt? No, no, Latina no. girl. 
Yeah. She was pretty. She was anyway. The show was three young girls. They're all witches. I think they. I think they uh, exchanged them, kind of like Charlie's Angels. You know, they Rose McGowan. Yes, Rose McGowan. That's right. Not even close to Latino. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Rose. Is not even close. So they, you know, people. Are, oh, they. That's from the show. No, it's not from the show. They used it. But it's not from the show. No. Well, shows, like, let's say, Dancing with the Stars, yeah. they have used songs from the 80s. I mean, they credit it to these other buffoons who have come in the 2000s. I right. Some Tears for Fears. Remade song. it. I know, Mad World or something. And they said, oh, yeah, that's from uh, Paul uh, Rodriguez. Yeah. I went, no, it's not. What the hell? Well, they, that's well, Even the, executive producers I know, don't but, even but, know. But, like, these other songs, they're the real bands. Like... The Will Ferrell movie, that was Blue Oyster Cult, and I think Trump was the Smith. It's kind of like right. in the movie Lost Boys, I love that movie, with uh, Val Kilmer, Jason Patrick, the Feldman brothers. They used the song People Are Strange, but they used the Echo and the Bunnyman version, not the Doors. Correct. So it's, a, it's the same song, but at least it's a different band. Uh, correct, right. But yeah. that's okay to do that. Yeah, of I course. Mean, because Echo and the Bunnymen's is kind of uh, I like it. Yes. Yeah, so it's I, different. Yeah, it's different. They're good. That group is good anyway. So. Okay, you, it looks like you're right. They did use the Smiths. Yeah, they did. They okay. did. Yeah. Oh, okay. look, uh, look, they wrote, the, the Morrissey and the Smiths wrote that song for Charm. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. No, it's a little nice. older. Sorry. We're going to Jerusalem. Uh, we're going to do our show live coming up uh, next week. Not next week, the week after. I'm sorry. Monday, January the 29th through Feb 1, Sid and Friends in the Morning, live from Jerusalem. And we're going to use the JNS Studios, our good friend Alex Treman, who has been on this show a lot since Monday, October the 9th. Those are his studios in Jerusalem. And unprovoked, he offered them to us. And we're going to use them. So we'll talk to Alex Treman coming up next. Tom Kniff, Peter King, and Judge Nean Pirro still to come. Radio 77 WABC. Brian Kilmeade. Entertaining and informative. Real estate billionaire Barry Sternlich. He can't believe these schools are supporting Hamas. So he's given $50 million and going on a media campaign targeting Hamas. He's putting his money behind it. Rather than just keeping these colleges from getting donations, take that money and put it to selling the real story here. Brian Kilmeade. Weekdays 10 to noon. After sitting friends in the morning. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi. There are 136 hostages still being held by Hamas in Gaza right this moment. Some of those people are dead. Two of them are babies. About 20 of them are young women. And it has been a hundred days since they disappeared beneath the Earth's surface in Gaza. In those a hundred days, thanks to those hostages who have been released, and thanks to the intrepid work of journalists in Israel and across the world, we have learned a great deal about what the feminists of the world are choosing largely to ignore. They are ignoring hostages who have been seriously wounded, shot, or with dismembered limbs, who are without medical care. They are ignoring hostages who don't have enough food and water. They are ignoring hostages who are being beaten and tortured. They are ignoring hostages who have been sitting for a hundred days in the pits of hell. As if all of that wouldn't be bad enough. But what they are also ignoring is the ongoing subjugation 
of those some 20 remaining women. And that is not hyperbole or hysteria or speculation or claims made by politicians to make a political point or advance the aims of the broader war. It is firsthand testimony that is coming out of the mouths of women who were there and who saw what was happening with their own eyes. I found that on Lizzie Savetsky's Instagram page. You know, I've never seen a picture of... Uh, Alec, get in here, damn it, and close these uh, sun-drenched windows. Of Alex Trayman, he's a handsome guy. He's been coming on since October the 9th. He's with the Jewish News Syndicate, JNS. And they are the number one bureau for these... Well, for news, and, and uh, that's where everybody goes... Since October the 7th, he's been on with us about 50 times. Noam as well. Noam Layden introduced Alex to me. And then unprovoked a couple of weeks ago when I floated the idea of taking this show to Israel, Alex said, use our studios. I was like, really? And, uh, well, be careful. <laughs> when you leave milk out with a cat, the cat comes back. And uh, we are going to Israel. We are going to use the studios. So uh, here he is. He's been uh, so valuable since October the 9th for us. My friend Alex Trayman. Alex, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning. Doing well, thank you. And uh, thank you again for offering the studios. We are going to take you up on that starting Monday, January 29th through Thursday, February 1st. I guess we can't do a show on Friday because it's Shabbos. Is that right? Yeah, it'll be better to do Monday through Thursday. Right, okay. Cause if I, you're, you're going to be here, you should come to my house for Friday night dinner. Oh, how about that? Now, how far do you live from the studios? Uh, close to the studio. You're close. And then how far are the studios from, like, uh, central Jerusalem? We're in Jerusalem, yeah. We're, yeah, you don't want to give right away too the... much. You're so funny. Look at you. You're not giving. Good, I'm glad you're not. You know, uh, and, and I want I want to ask you some serious questions because my wife, Danielle, is coming. My two kids are coming, too. My daughter's coming from London to meet us. And, uh, you know, they're a little nervous. I'm not. Uh, I'm ready to go. But they're a little nervous, and my wife is so nervous about my children being there. Uh, is there any reason to be nervous if you're in Jerusalem, like we're going to be doing these shows? 
Uh, Jerusalem is, is quiet now, uh, you know, and you, people are just, uh, they're comfortable with the dangers that they're used to. When I go to America, people tell me to be careful on the New York City subway system. Right. So. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I was with somebody yesterday, and they said just that. They go, you're safer in Jerusalem than you are in New York right now. I think there's something to be said for that. Okay, you do. Good. Well, that's good news. Well, you heard Barry Weiss uh, talking there about the hostages, you know, I read something this morning, Alex, that said that uh, Israel, even their intelligence, was a little off on the amount of tunnels and the mileage of tunnels. In fact, they may be about 200 miles short from what they initially thought Hamas had built underground, maybe 350 miles. And long story short, it looks like Hamas has really built something that even Israel could not have figured out. Is that fair to say? Incredible intelligence failure uh, to not understand the depths of the the tunnel system that was being built. You know, and you can when you understand how much how, how extensive the tunnel network is. You know, how many years it took to build that, how much money, and how much uh, how many tons of concrete and other materials went into the building. That uh, incredible intelligence failures that they've blocked up so many. Uh, tunnel shafts, entrances to tunnels, and destroyed so many miles of tunnels, and yet there's still so many more miles of tunnels. And, and also what's important to understand is that we're learning now, just in the last several weeks, that Hezbollah to Israel's north in southern Lebanon has also built a very, very extensive tunnel network that previously it wasn't believed that they had. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So, you know, you said incredible intelligence failure, and the overwhelming majority of Israelis believe that Bibi Netanyahu will be done once the war is over because they failed on October the 7th, and now you're saying they have failed since because there's miles and miles of tunnels they didn't know about in both the north and the south. Just so you know, I'm on record. I like Bibi a lot, and uh, I feel badly if he does go, but based on all these, as you just called them, intelligent fail- intelligence failures, it does seem a little difficult to believe that he, amongst others, would keep their jobs. No? Right, and I think that one of the one of the risks here is that uh, everybody's going to look to Netanyahu and and try to throw him under the bus while they try to sink their their teeth in and protect their own positions because this isn't just the failing of the prime minister and the the prime minister his his understanding of intelligence is only as good as the amount of information that's reaching his desk. Uh, so the question is, well, what happened in the in the intelligence gathering networks and in the security system, like all of this information should have been on record and, and it should have reached Netanyahu. Apparently it didn't, or so he says. Um, with Netanyahu, it, it's more than just the failing. You know, really the society has gotten very divided in the last uh, period. We had four elections in five years. Uh, no, five elections in four years, sorry. And, uh, you know, we had these judicial reform protests in the summer. Hundreds of thousands of people came out in, in a few of these protests. Um, and Israelis unified after October 7th. And we yet see that all of the same elements that tried to divide the society in the months and years leading up to October 7th, they're still at it. Uh, and it's, it's clear that Israel really needs uh, a unifying force at its head. And at this point, it's, it's hard to imagine that Netanyahu has done so much great for the state of Israel, uh, diplomatically, economically, uh, that he, at this point, can be that unifying force.
Fair enough. These uh, Hamas animals, now they're starting to put out these videos. You knew they were coming, right? I mean, initially, Mia Shem looked okay, and she said, please get me home. But you knew it was just a matter of time before they started to include some really nasty stuff. And this uh, young lady, Noah Argamani, who was uh, taken on a motorcycle into Gaza, we'll never forget her face, was uh, there with two men. And uh, the three of them were on this video, and then not long after that video came out, maybe a day, we find out that both of the men in that video are dead. Now, Hamas, they made Noah go on camera and say, well, the Israelis killed them. The Israelis dropped bombs on buildings, and they killed them. We know that's not true. We know Hamas killed them. And the latest video, I believe, Hamas has their dead bodies, their dead bodies in the video. So now they're starting to get really, really nasty, Hamas, with this stuff. And we have no idea, Alex, how many of those 136 are still alive. Is all that fair to say? Yeah, we really don't know how many are alive. Um, you know, it seems that the more and more we're discovering that some of the hostages are dead. But at the same time, it is believed that some of them are alive because they are the ticket uh, for the safety of some of the Hamas leadership. It's believed that the IDF may already be aware of precisely where some of the Hamas leaders like Yahya Sinwar and Mohammed Daif are inside Gaza, and it is believed that they are surrounded by large numbers of hostages at gunpoint. Um, and if they expect maybe to take a, a route out of Gaza that might involve their exile as opposed to their death, that they still need to have the collateral of these hostages in order to get what they want. I think I read, too, that uh, these uh, the Hamas not just have the hostages. And I'm glad to hear what you just told me, Alex, that there's the intelligence side of Israel that's working. They're still firing rockets. I mean, I, I know it's a ragtag operation. It's not Hezbollah, which, of course, is funded by the Iranians. But they are still firing rockets. The Iron Dome is still intercepting Hamas rockets even today. Yeah, just two days ago, they fired 50 in one salvo. It was one of the largest salvos that they had sent uh, in, in several weeks. And it did seem like the number of rockets had been uh, dying down a bit. But, you know, these are they're not sophisticated rockets. They're, they're made with pipes and some explosives and they're they're launched from portable uh, rocket launchers you know they're they're just like long-range projectile with with some amount of explosive charge in it they're not computerized precision guided rockets so they they're making them underneath and underneath Gaza inside the tunnels and they use the network to distribute them uh you know to various points throughout the Gaza strip i i've seen a map of all the points where rockets have been fired several weeks back, and it was basically from the entire strip. So mm. these things are, are all over the place. Everywhere where the IDF is going, they're uncovering shafts to tunnels. They're uncovering uh, Kassam rockets. They're uncovering RPGs uh, and improvised explosive devices and assault rifles. So, you know, they, they were well prepared for this moment. They distributed their weapons all across the strip, and, and even some of them, they're making them, uh, you know, throughout the conflict. Well, these rockets uh, basically is just to say, hey, we're still here. I mean, you know, we, we can't kill you with these rockets necessarily because, like you said, they're, they're prehistoric, if you will. They're, you know, they're old. I but- mean, each one of these rockets can kill many, many people. Okay. Right. It's only, the it's only because it. we have the sophisticated Iron Dome system that right. we can shoot them out of the sky, you know, but if it misses and it's not 100% the Iron Dome, any one of these rockets could, could cause a mass casualty event. Are you still having any terrorist attacks 
on the ground. You know, it, it's very, the information we get here, you know, I heard, for example, that there was a terrorist attack in Jerusalem uh, not that long ago, that, uh, you know, that some guy opened fire. And I don't know if they're true, they're not true. So in terms of people on the ground, those animals that did all that, are you still getting that in parts of Israel? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, the, the attack that you talked about is about three weeks ago. It was a two two gunmen opened fire at a at a bus stop uh, in Jerusalem and, and four people were killed. Um, just uh, two days ago, there was a terror attack in the city of Ranana, uh, which is north of Tel Aviv. And there were there were two two terrorists and, and one of them uh, started stabbing people and they then also uh, carjacked the vehicle and, and ran it into a, a group of pedestrians and uh, one person was killed and about 13 others injured several seriously. So yeah, terror is uh, it's a big, it's a big risk uh, still. And there's a lot of anti-terror operations going on in Judea and Samaria um, and the risk that the you know, the rest of the the country could could also erupt in terror, as we've seen in the past. Well, you and I will talk quite a bit uh, leading up to the trip, which is still 11 days away. And when I'm there, of course, I'll see you every day at your studios. Again, JNS, thank you, Alex. But what should I expect? I've never been to Israel, so there's no precedence for me. Uh, when I land in Tel Aviv early that Sunday morning, one day before my show, Monday afternoon in Jerusalem, should I expect to see armed people not just at the airport, but streets all over Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. I mean, uh, guys with guns just about everywhere. What should I expect to see uh, when I get to my hotel? It's it's really not like that. I, I mean, this this war is taking place primarily inside Gaza. Okay, and uh, you're not going to be inside Gaza unless we're able to arrange something. I don't know if we'll, we'll be able to pull it off, but and I don't know if you'd want to go. But uh, in, well, well, in well I do. I, I do know that the uh, the tour guide with the organization that is sending us uh, is making it mandatory that I go to the the music festival, that I go to those kibbutzes. So I will exactly. be in, in those areas. Yes. Yeah, you'll see the proximity uh, of these areas to the Gaza Strip, but but most of the armed conflict is taking place inside Gaza, and it doesn't impact Israeli civilians in any way. Uh, you know, they are firing rockets. They're probably not going to be firing rockets at Jerusalem. Most of the rockets are fired either at the, these areas that are very close to the Gaza border, or sometimes they're firing them up the coast uh, towards uh, many of the coastal cities, which include Ashkelon and Ashdod and, and even Tel Aviv. Um, but you, you're not going to – if you're in Jerusalem right now, you wouldn't know that this country was at war. Okay, you wouldn't even know. Um, and, again, I've been told that the country is so small, like basically Jersey. So uh, do you still hear – can you actually hear uh, the Iron Dome, for example, taking out a rocket, or is that still way too far away? I mean, if they were firing them at Jerusalem, I would say probably about – Four weeks ago on Friday night, uh, you know, they, they fired about four towards Jerusalem, and we're sure we heard loud booms uh, when the Iron Dome intercepted these uh, rockets right overhead. And so if they're being fired at your location, you, you would hope that you hear the boom of the right. Iron Dome. <laughs> yeah. uh, so last thing, I mean, uh, I was talking to Justin about this this morning. He's got relatives there, and uh, even in Jerusalem, uh, they're all over the place. They're in Haifa, they're in Tel Aviv, they're everywhere. But uh, it doesn't seem like there's any city that doesn't have folks running into bomb shelters still. And we're talking about uh, nearly four months since those initial attacks. Is that still the case? Well, you know, I remember in one of the early days that I was on your program, you know, I think the siren was going off yeah. while I was actually on the program. Um, but, 
you know, after those first days, the number of rockets being sent towards Jerusalem really almost dried up. I think since that time, we've had two or three other instances where they've tried to fire rockets towards Jerusalem. But when you understand uh, the way these rockets work, and again, they're they're just projectiles, and they send them off in a general direction, you know, at a at what they hope is a general distance, and and so for for them to reach Jerusalem is not simple, and and then even within Jerusalem, you still have 250,000 Arabs uh, living in Jerusalem in, in various uh, communities in the eastern sections of the city. You have the the Dome of the Rock and the Al Aqsa Mosque in the middle of Jerusalem, so. You know, they, they, these aren't precision-guided rockets, so if they fire rockets towards uh, towards Jerusalem, there's a high probability that they could land in an Arab area. Wow. All right, Alex, listen, you have been uh, just tremendous. I, I, I'll never be able to thank you for what you've done since October the 9th and certainly uh, helping me out, getting the show to Israel and providing us with a real pro studio so we can uh, get these shows back to New York as they should sound I can't thank you enough, so uh, continue to uh, stay safe, be well, and you and I will be seeing each other and talking an awful lot in the next couple of weeks. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ed. Looking forward. My man, me too. Alex Trayman right there, JNS, calling it live from Jerusalem, as he's done many, many, many times since that awful day, October the 7th. That wraps up hour number two. Big hour number three, folks. Tom Kniff. One of my favorite people, the attorney for Daniel Penny. Penny, he's back in court today. And we'll also talk to Peter King. Keep it right here. Hour three, coming at you. Now, show as the sun will cross the sky. The lion's over. Gone, like the tears that used to tie me over. In the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. As we start hour three, Joe Janine Pirro coming up in the nine o'clock hour. Peter King later on this hour. So if you don't know who Tom Kniff is, let me tell you who he is quickly. He's a hero. Tom Kniff served our country, still does, like Lee Zeldin still does, very, very proudly. Real American patriot. He's also an attorney, and not just a good attorney, but a great attorney. In fact, you hear the Razor and Kniff, or Kniff and Razor, I forget what the order is. You hear their commercials on this station. Two great guys, Tom Kniff, Steve Razor, almost every day. And he ran for DA in Manhattan, but you losers here in New York, you assholes, voted in Alvin Bragg. Could have been Tom Kniff. 
what a difference this city would be. Oh, my God. So hopefully he runs again, but I don't know. He's very busy. In fact, his client is a man named Daniel Penny. And you remember Daniel Penny. He was the hero Marine who one day took down Jordan Neely, not alone with the help of others, but he was a guy that stepped up to protect people, New Yorkers on a train. And while Al Sharpton, that loser, claimed it was racist, one black lady said, Daniel Penny saved my life. One black man was one of the people who helped restrain Jordan Neely. So clearly it wasn't racism. Daniel Penny is a hero. But, again, because you voted in people like Alvin Bragg, there's a grand jury, and again, he's back in court today. And that's a big story. So Tom Knipp, his attorney, kind enough on his way to court to call in this morning. Tommy, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid, brother. Let me just say, I hope D.A. Bragg isn't listening, or else we might both wind up getting great. I know, that's the issue. You know, it's funny, (laughs) because two of my best friends are you and Joe Tacopina. Tacopina had the Trump case in front of Bragg. You've got this case in front of Bragg. So you would think that I would control myself, but I just can't. I I mean, I I really despise the guy for what he does. He, He... there's just there's there's no legal basis to the majority of his decisions. It's just it's unfair. It's not American. It's unconstitutional. Daniel Penny saved people's lives that day. What is he doing in court today? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The case should have never been presented to a grand jury. And of course, once you make the decision to put it in front of a grand jury, uh, you know it becomes a fait accompli. Because if I pointed out many times on your show and others did that. I mean, the standard of, of proof in a grand jury is, is, is it's a sham. Uh, you know, uh, it's reasonable cause. It's less that a police officer needs to, to issue a summons or make an arrest on the street. So here we are. Um, and, we're, you know, we're going to court this morning. Um, we've, uh, Steve Razor and I, spent countless legal hours doing very robust motions to try and get the judge to dismiss this indictment. You know, we we don't have any delusions because just just as it's a very low standard in the grand jury, the court, the judge really, his hands are tied. He has to follow that same low standard. But, you know, look, if we think of, if there's ever a case where we put the ball in play, we think it's this one. So where did we leave off, though? Because, you know, for a couple of weeks there over the summer, this was the hottest story. You'd go on my show, then you go on John's show. You and I talked, uh, I don't know, three or four times a week. And then it's been a while since folks have heard. You know, I know Daniel came out with that video a couple of months ago and, you know, talked about himself and what he did that day. But it's been quiet. So where did we leave this thing off last time? Yeah, you know, it's a point that I often get when I when I speak with folks, you know, hey, what's going on with the case and all that. What I try to tell people is, look, you know, we're conditioned from, you know, our, you know, first of all, our, our instant, you know, access, gratification society and, and legal dramas and so forth to think, you know, well, legal cases, you know, get wrapped up in a matter of months. But in the reality is, you know, for all the moments in court where there's news cameras and television coverage and, 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 and news coverage and so forth, you know, there, there's weeks, often months of doing the legal drudgery, doing motion practice, doing, you know, all the things that are involved in, you know, unfortunately getting a case to trial where it looks like, this, which it looks like this case is probably going. So today is a significant day procedurally because at least we'll get the judge to rule on the motions. And even though, as I said, you know, judges typically don't dismiss indictments, it's rarer than diamonds, you know, we have some very good issues preserved for appeal. I don't think we'll ever need them because I think we're going to knock this case out at trial um, and, and justice will be done. 
But, you know, it, it takes a while to get there. But I think at this point we'd probably be tracking a trial sometime in the very late spring, early summer. Wow, this is Tom Knipp once again, American Patriot hero, just one of the best people you'll ever meet. And uh, he happens to be Daniel Penny's attorney, Penny, back in uh, court today. So, okay, see, so you, you've done all the work you need to, but these judges are biased. And then on top of that, like you said, it's very hard to get an indictment dismissed here in New York. So odds are you're going to trial. And you just said you expect that to start sometime in the late spring. And, of course, at that point, you'll you'll bring back witnesses, I imagine, right, like the lady on the train, the black lady who said he saved my life, the black man who helped restrain George. Nearly that day, and heck, maybe even Daniel Penny. I don't know if he's been on the stand uh, earlier in these in this case, but is that a possibility down the road? Yeah, it's it's always a possibility. I, I think that you know we, we are fortunate to have a great client. Look, when I say great, you know, it, it's not about making this guy out to be a hero. Um, you know, but but you know, an individual who did the right thing. You know, I mean, you know, history talks about scripture talks about, you know, the worst evils in history are committed by the people who do nothing, who just stand by. And this is someone who did the opposite of that, who saw saw a situation where someone was threatening people, putting literally the, the fear of death. I mean, I am. Whoa, 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 whoa. What, what are you talking about? Wasn't he? Wait, 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 Tom, wasn't he just standing in the corner dancing to Michael Jackson's thriller? Wasn't he doing that? Well, Sid, I, I have a, I have about twelve witnesses that were on the subway car that testified <laughs> under oath in the grand jury that would disagree with you on that. Um, you know, I mean, Steve Razor and I, you know, discovery trickles out in this case. And, you know, in any case, and in this case, I mean, the, the Manhattan DA's office, look, they they have been professional and they've gotten us our discovery and so forth. And when we got when we started going through, it was about five hundred and fifty pages of grand jury minutes, we, we knew there'd be favorable information in there, but we had no idea that it would be, you know, this uh, favorable, this one-sided in favor of our client. We're, we're sitting across a conference table reading through this stuff, and we're, we're looking at each other like, did, this, did they really put this case into the grand jury? Because it is so overwhelming. I mean, you know, some of the words used, some of the adjectives used to describe nearly, again, by, by the grand jury witnesses who are on the subway car, you know, satanic, thought I was going to die, put my hand on my friend's chest. Two high school girls started praying that the doors would open so that we wouldn't die in the subway. Yeah, so, so with all this that, said, so with all this said, even though, as you mentioned, it's, it almost never happens where they dismiss an indictment, grand jury. Uh, with all what you just said, but that type of testimony from white people and black people, mind you, because I have to keep mentioning black people because Al Sharpton and, to a certain extent, the political leaders in the city made about race. Uh, with all that said, w- maybe there is a possibility. Maybe that they they just dismiss this, or no? I mean, with all that said, look. I mean, we you know we did we you know we we don't you know Razor and I don't engage in fools' errands. I mean, we wouldn't have spent the time we did doing these motions if we didn't think we had robust legal arguments, and we do regardless of whether. You know the, the judge, uh, you know, takes that extraordinary step or not. But but sure, you know, if there was ever a case where um, someone, you know, in, in a position of, of uh, the judge's position in this case could, could look at this and say, hey, you know, w- what is this? Uh, or at least, you know, there's two charges in the, in the indictment. There's there's a a, a, uh, a reckless manslaughter and there's criminally negligent homicide. I, I don't think that there's 
proof of either in this case, but certainly, you know, if you look at the higher charge, the manslaughter, the DA will have to prove at trial that Danny understood, perceived the risk of death and consciously disregarded it. There is no way, in my legal opinion, that you could ever get to that on the evidence in this case. So, you know, let's see what happens in court. You never know. Last one, Tom. Uh, Has Danny's life changed? If it has, how, if at all? I mean, so many of these cases where somebody's accused of doing something, and especially when the word race, unfairly as it is, gets sprinkled in, some of these folks become ostracized, they get threatened, and Lightner, he's a tough guy. I know it. He's a Marine tough guy. He's proven that already. But even the toughest, every once in a while, are going to hit their knees. How has Danny's life changed, if at all? Well, look, I mean, you, you know, it would be trite to say that his life hasn't changed, right? I mean, no one would ever want to be in a position um, where they're accused of anything, let alone something like this. I mean, no matter how uh, strong of a case we have, no matter how robust of a defense, uh, you know, we'll put on and we will you know that that is a that is an emotionally me- mentally life-changing uh taxing situation for anyone however um you know if there was anyone who ever had the metal to you know handle something like this keep his head up you know walk with grace it, it's our client i mean you know razor and i marvel at him all the time because he just you know takes it all in stride he lets us do our job he doesn't try to micromanage um, you know, he, he, he's engaged when he has to be engaged, but, he, but, he, but he's taken incredibly well. He just uh, recently, uh, you know, he's not, he, he was a college student when this happened. He's pursuing his degree in architecture, still is. Recently transferred to a, a another but very prestigious architectural program. Wow. Um, I'm not going to say which one because I don't want right, to expose him unnecessarily. Um, but, you know, he's going on with his studies and he's living his life. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's something to watch. It really is. Well, that's great to hear. It really is. And I know you have a very, very busy day today. Like you said, it's been months of drudgery, but here come the cameras again. I know you look good. You're a handsome guy. You went, Steve, Tom. So, you know, mug for the cameras and um, and good luck, uh, seriously, in court today. And you're a tremendous guy, a terrific person, a great attorney. And I know Danny's a good guy, too. So I wish you and Steve the best of luck. And we'll talk again very, very soon, Tom Kniff. Thank you, buddy. All right. We always appreciate your support. Said It means everything to us. It really does. I know you're sincere when you say that, so thank you, and I love you guys, too. That's uh, my good buddy, Tom Kniff. <laughs> you, you believe, do you believe that guy lost to Alvin Bragg? I mean, do you believe that? Do you hear how brilliant he is? He's brilliant, and he served the country. And you voted for Alvin Bragg. You deserve it. You deserve all of it, New York. You know, I don't live in the city anymore, thank God. And a lot of his votes right there on the Upper West Side, you deserve all of it. All of it. Thank you, Tom Kniff. Good luck with Daniel Penny today. Short break still to come. Peter King and Judge Janine. The Wednesday Hump Day Tunnel to Towers edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning rolls on. And informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
driveway. All right, I'm going to be honest with you, Lewis. I didn't want to say this, but it's such a great song. Some of my friend Monica Allen's very happy. She loves Barna. She's a um, producer of Newsmax, of course, it's free. So, um, Cold as Ice is uh, apropos. That's why Lou plays all this stuff. He's a genius because it's cold outside, like 20 degrees. We'll feel about 12. And that snow we saw a couple of days ago is now all ice. So last night, uh, we throw out the garbage every night. We take it out to the curb on Wednesdays, but I take the garbage out every night. I'm trying to anticipate what happens here. You can't imagine how much garbage is in my house from three people, but it's just intense. When Ava's there, forget about it. So cold as ice, I take the garbage out last night, you know. And uh, I'm wearing shorts. I always wear shorts. I went to a Harbor Light for dinner last night. I wore shorts. And I wear flip-flops. Excuse me, sir. Um, it's, uh, we can't sit you over here. Um, <laughs> you seat me fine. Yeah, I know, uh, thank, you thank know God. everybody. I know. <laughs> yeah. Sean's pretty cool. You know, that place is, it's a great place. They make a great meatloaf. And um, so I'm wearing shorts and flip-flops, which you can wear there, thank God. And I get home, and I'm taking out the garbage. And I'm walking towards my driveway. That's where my three garbage pails are. This one's easy to figure out. All right, tough nuts. <laughs> and you tell me where I'm about to go with this story. You you completely uh, slid. Oh. You ever see, like, during the Olympics, <laughs> when these girls work for years and years and years on their routine? And they have these horrible spills. You ever see the movie, um, you know, John and Margot Katsimatidis used a song from this movie, Melissa Manchester, Through the Eyes of Love, as their first dance from the movie Ice Castles. When that cute blonde chick takes that terrible spill, ends up blind. It didn't get that bad for me, but uh, yeah, you guessed it, all right. I was airborne. Wow. <laughs> I was, you know the shot of Bobby Orr? <laughs> oh, yeah. After the goal, yes. The big, uh, no, when he's in the air. Yes, he's like, that's you know, what I'm saying. He scored the goal yes, and he was airborne. Yes. Right. They that have was, that statue outside of Boston correct. Garden, yes. That was me last night. You were like me in the middle of Third Avenue yesterday. <laughs> and he fell yesterday. Oh, you he, fell too? Yeah, in front of 30 people. You fell all, all by your lonesome. I fell in front of everybody. Yeah, nobody saw mine. It was in the dark. It was mm-hmm. at night. No, but yeah. I was still humiliated. I humiliated myself in front of all of New York. And I couldn't walk in and say anything because she'll kill me, Danielle. She's just ruthless, you know. <laughs> you know so, so, well, maybe if you weren't looking at your phone, my phone was inside. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe if uh, you weren't <laughs> no. so old, there'll be some kind of excuse. you know. Not, not the fact that it's icy outside. What did you fall? What were you doing? I was running across the street to get you breakfast. Why would you run in the ice, though? I made a mistake. You didn't get hurt, did you? I killed myself. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my knee is coming out of my leg. Oh, God. I, my left big toe is, is dislocated four ways. I, I mean, First I, thing I said to Danielle when I called her this morning, she called me, actually, before six, was make sure Gabriel uses the front door exit, not the driveway, because... You're going to fall down, you know? So mm-hmm. Damn, you don't want to do a triple axel like Dad <laughs> yeah, just did. That's what I did. I was like Brian Boitano. <laughs> it's like Brian Boitano taking out the garbage. I did a whole triple axel. All right, we got uh, Peter King is coming up next. <laughs> he, I actually sat with Peter King and Bo Deedle at Joe Esposito's funeral yesterday. Plus, you know, this, uh, this creep in uh, Nassau County, this uh, Rex Uriman, 
from Massapequa. They charged him with a fourth murder yesterday, the Gilgo Park guy. And uh, Mozzie is still out there running, so a lot to talk to Peter King about. Sit in friends in the morning, 77 WABC. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, what was the name of the kid? He, he's at ESPN now. We saw him when we won the Best Morning Show Award at Chelsea Piers. Mm, right. He was uh, in the marketing department with Jocelyn. Jocelyn was the girl. She came from LIR. What was his name again? The black oh, kid. Yeah. Great kid. Great yes, kid. Really nice used to give guy. me David Wright and uh, Mike Piazza baseballs. Oh, man, it's going to bother me. I do now remember seeing him. Yeah, he was there that day. He was so nice. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. she, she uh, Jocelyn, who worked with him, she worked oh, it. Troy. Yes, Troy. Very Troy, Troy Jefferson, I think. Yes, very good. All right. One of my favorite people. There. Yeah, good kid. He yeah. really played softball with him. Yes, that's true. Yes, you did, as did I. Uh, yesterday was Joe Esposito's funeral, commonly known as and lovely known as Espo. 73 years old. We lost him in early January, and St. Patrick's Cathedral did a magnificent job yesterday. Again, I... Ran down this list earlier, but everybody was there. Great speeches by Mayor Eric Adams and Police Commissioner Eddie Caban. And you had uh, Joe's daughter made a uh, beautiful speech. You had the Giuliani's, both of them, Rudy and Andrew, Ray Kelly, Bernie Carrick, Mike Kemper, Paul DiGiacomo, Keyshawn Sewell, that ass-face Bill de Blasio. And I had the opportunity to sit with two of my dearest friends, two men I love very much, Bo Deedle and Congressman Peter King. And Pete said to me right at the top, he goes, Sid, no one does it like the NYPD in this church. And he was right. It was a beautiful ceremony. So here he is, along with Rudy Giuliani, the best politician in New York in my lifetime, the great Pete King. Peter, good morning, buddy. How are you? Sid, I'm doing great. And you're right. It was really a very memorable day yesterday for Espo. I mean, he deserved the great send-off he got. And also, I heard you saying earlier on that you thought when you first met Keyshawn that she was a bit cool to you. Yeah. You know, she is a very reserved person. Walking up the aisle yesterday, she went over and started hugging you as she was walking up the aisle. For yeah. The so that... that no, 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 Pete, you saw that. She actually made it her business to, yeah. to hug me, give me a big kiss. And I swear, the first time I met her, I go, I go to the mayor, I go, she hates me. Peter, I, I'm telling you, I've seen her 20 times since. One of the warmest people I know. It's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, Keyshot is reserved, but once she likes you, she's with you. I mean, she's never she's never standoffish, but she is reserved. Uh, but so it's she is hugging you and she is saying good things to you. She means it because she doesn't do that just everybody. I mean, she's always cordial. 
But uh, I saw yesterday when she actually reached over the aisle and started hugging you. Yeah. And, uh, and which is like, okay, what's happened to Keyshot? You know? <laughs> well, let's stick with the police commissioners for a second because um, obviously she was the, the NYPD commissioner and she left and now she's got a great job. I'm thrilled for her with Stevie Cohen and the Mets and Eddie Caban's taken over. But Rodney Harrison stepped down not that long ago in Suffolk County. We've got the great Pat Ryder. We love Pat Ryder in Nassau County. But uh, Rodney stepped down. They did announce yesterday that Rex Uriman being charged now with a fourth murder and one of these uh, missing girls. So it's a really a two-question uh, deal here, Peter. A, what about the latest with Rex Yorman? And B, are you hearing anything about a possible successor to Rodney Harrison in Suffolk County? I know you talked to Ed Romaine. Are you hearing anything? Yeah, there is a search team, which, again, can take a while. Uh, there was several people being considered who, for whatever reason, have taken themselves out. Uh, but, uh, you know, Rodney Harrison did a great job. He was really well-respected. And uh, he and... Uh, Kitty, whether they always got along or not, there's questions on that. The fact is, they did a great job on the uh, Gilgo case. And as far as uh, you know, the uh, defendant in this case, Herman, uh, uh, you know, there's four. Who knows? It could be five, six, and seven. I have no inside information, but to me, this guy, uh, by all accounts, I mean, it's just a, like a mass murderer, total psycho. And if he killed four, you know, why not five, six, and seven? I, I mean, I have no clue. I mean, he's in court. He's uh, very stoic. He shows. Nothing, apparently. Uh, yesterday's wife was in court. I guess maybe that's part of she's also doing some kind of a uh, you know, reality show type thing with him uh, for him to make, you know, make money. But, uh, no, it's a uh, it's really interesting. I mean, where he lived was maybe, I don't know, a quarter, a quarter mile from my uh, office in Mespico Park. It was uh, just a few blocks down from the uh, police academy in Nassau County. But what struck everyone about that house was, and now you look back on it, it doesn't mean – a person's a mass murderer if they live in a house like this. But houses in Mass Buco Park, especially on that block, are always kept so well and neat and clean, and people look after their homes. And his looked like a shack. I mean, it was just a mess. And uh, so you know, maybe that says something about him. It doesn't mean everyone who keeps a, a dirty house is a psycho or a murderer. Right. But it's just uh, it, it really coming out of that neighborhood, which is so solid. I mean, there's virtually no crime there. It's so many police officers, firefighters. Wall Street people, first generation college people that live there. And uh, so it's uh, it's reassuring that he's been captured after all these years and he's in jail. And uh, I, I just hope there's no technical defects in the case uh, in that, you know, you, they're relying on you know the DNA and they're relying on, I'm sure it's accurate, but again, in court, you know, you need this one screw up somewhere in the lab and the whole case could go. So yeah. I just hope that uh, everything works out here. And Tierney is on it. There's no doubt about it. He's going all out on this. Uh, Tierney's terrific, too. And you mentioned uh, Euroman's wife. And uh, last we heard about her just a couple of weeks ago, she was in trouble because there was some of her DNA found on something or other. I don't know the exact uh, the exactly what happened there, but she's been rumored to be a part of this for many years, too. So um, I guess uh, I would say stay tuned. All right, Peter, we are now 27 days away, to be exact, 27 days away from the special election. Uh, your uh, friend, Mozzie Pillip, who's been on this show, she was very impressive taking on 
Tom Swazi replacing George Santos. I'm not going to get back into it. Registrar is a Republican. We've done that ten times. You know how I feel. You know how some of her constituents feel. But uh, you've done a whole bunch of events with her lately. How does it feel out there? Because depending upon who I talk to, this is very, obviously it's very anecdotal, but depending on who I talk to, Peter, folks think she's going to win, folks think she's going to lose. So what? Uh, how do you feel about this race 27 days away? Yeah, first of all, as far as the activity, tonight, uh, Joe Cairo and Mazia and I will be at uh, Vicky Palandino's club in uh, Whitestone in, in Queens. Uh, Vicky, by the way, is going all out. I spoke at her club last week. And, boy, she is like the old-time leader. Uh, she is really strong and tough, and she had the people out, and she's giving them you know, their marching orders. She's 100% behind Mozzie. Mozzie couldn't make it last week. She was in Washington, but she will be there tonight with Joe Cairo and me and others. And uh, again, Vicky Palladino deserves a tremendous round of applause. She's just absolutely phenomenal. And, by the way, if you had to pick one politician you'd want on your side, pretty good start with Vicky Palladino. Love her. More than that, I wouldn't want her against me. <laughs> that's true. Right, 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 right. She's a tough fighter. She's great. And uh, so that's, it's going to be a great team, you know, being coordinated there. No, listen, it's going to be uh, – Mozzie is making real inroads. Uh, Tom Swazi is putting a lot of emphasis, apparently, in Massapequa, which is a Republican area, but it's also heavily Italian-American. And he's going to – says apparently wants to rely on that. But, again, they are they – are, they could be Italian, Irish, Jewish, wouldn't matter. They're mainly Republican. That's the thing. And uh, I tell a story. I had one tough race about 15, 16 years ago, and I lost six different communities in the district. And the total vote I lost in those six districts was more than made up for in Massapequa alone. So if uh, Tom is focusing on Massapequa, he's making a big mistake because Mozzie's going to win big down there. Joe Saladino, who is the town supervisor, is going all out for her. He got over 70% of the vote in the last election. So really, uh, it's going to be a battleground in Queens, also up in the you know areas like Great Neck and others. And Great Neck used to be that used to be like a seventy, eighty percent Democratic area. Mozzie's carried it the last two times she's run. Uh, there's a lot of um, much more conservative people have moved into Great Neck up there. So it's uh, and also in the last local elections, uh, district by district, uh, uh, Joe Cairo, the Republican Party in Nassau County, won. So if if, if it replicates last November, Mozzie will definitely win. But again, Swazi is known, and historically that area has been Democrat. Lately it's gone Republican. So it's going to be a real fight. But I'm confident with Mozzie. She is a, uh, uh, she spoke uh, Sunday. Uh, Joe Cairo had a massive uh, event at the uh, Marriott Hotel. I don't know how many people were there. It was overflowing, put it that way. And she really came on strong. I mean, she was very, very energetic, very, uh, she has a, certain charisma because I was yeah. walking around the room and uh, you just see people flock to us. So listen, it's uh, it, uh, you know, final four weeks here. we got to go all out. And uh, Joe Cairo has the troops there. Mozzie's making, she is nonstop from morning to night going everywhere. And she's raising the big issues on immigration, on crime. These are big issues. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, uh, being an Israeli, uh, uh, Ethiopian and Israeli and now a proud American, but she has a unique knowledge and uh, yeah. understanding of what's going on in Israel now. And it's not just because she's Jewish, but also because she knows what uh, that Israel is our closest ally, and she knows the area inside out, and she knows all of, all of the uh, military repercussions. So she's the ideal candidate uh, for the Republican Party at this time, and more than that, the ideal candidate, I believe, for the people of Nassau and Queens to send a signal to Washington and the country 
that people have had enough of Joe Biden and his policies. I like her. She won me over last week. Uh, it's interesting. She's Israeli. Her husband is Ukrainian. And I said, do you want to split the money with your husband? She said, no, give it to Israel. So she won me over right there. Um, I do. I like her. And by the way, Lee Zeldin was on this show last week. I know you heard it, Peter. And he gave her a huge endorsement. I mean, he went, he's like you. He, he couldn't to say enough nice things about her. So it seems like uh, the folks that know what they're talking about really love this lady. So throw me in that mix. Last one. You, uh, you've you been friends with Trump for years. You voted for Trump. But you, Bo Deedle, and others jumped off the Trump wagon because you thought he couldn't win and whatever else. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, but he's going to win the primary. It's not going to be close. Your guy, DeSantis, really kind of embarrassed himself, to be honest. Now it's just a matter of whether or not Trump wants against Joe Biden or Michelle Obama, but he's going to win. So are you now in favor, full 100% of our friend Donald Trump? No, let me... Let me tell you the one concern I still have. I know that he is now basically pulled even. It was a couple of points ahead of Biden. But Biden's the most unpopular president we've ever had. And it's still a close race with Trump. For some of Nikki Haley is anywhere from 8 to 16. She can't win, Peter. If you don't win the NFC Championship, you can't get to the Super Bowl. Who cares what yeah. Nikki Haley does? Well, no, it's very important if you, want to, if you want to win in November. You don't want to give Joe Biden you know, the, uh, the election. She's not Trump. close. Peter, she was close, and you can make that argument. Yeah, she no, could beat he, Biden. No, the American people want Hillary. She's running way ahead of Biden, and Trump isn't. That's the difference. Now, I, I know right now he looks like he's going to win the primary. I will certainly support him if he does. But that's something we're going to have to take into account. If we want to beat Joe Biden, Trump has to decide why is Haley running so much better against Biden than he is. So he's got to either make some changes or what. That's all I'm saying. I, have nothing to say. I, I had a very good personal relationship with Donald Trump. But he's got to take it into account as he goes forward. But I can say one thing. You mentioned before about the... Uh, Police ceremonies in St. Patrick's yeah. Cathedral. Yep. Let me put in a personal word for my father. He was a cop for over 30 years. His last three years, he was put in charge of creating the police ceremonial unit back in 1973. Oh, wow. They never had it before that. So he put that together. He was there from 73 to 76. He put it all together. Last year, the guy spent the unit, gave me a jacket, honoring my father and everything. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I yeah, just put that in, yeah. I didn't, when did your father pass away? God rest his soul. Uh, he was only 66. He died of prostate cancer back in 19. 19- uh, 82. Oh, he's been gone a long time, uh, 40 years. My mother lived another quarter century, my father, he died. But anyway, that's, uh, I just thought i put that, every time I see it, those guys always say hello to me and all that. Yeah. To bring yeah. that back. Believe it or not, they never had an actual unit before then. They would just get six or seven guys out of the police academy, and they knew what they were doing, but then they, uh, you know, what cops were getting shot, and it's, uh, they yeah. decided it was important to actually have a, a formal unit. i tell you what was, um, I don't know, it was kind of creepy, but apropos was when it was over, Peter, and we exited the, the cathedral, St. Patrick's mm-hmm. Cathedral, and we all lined up outside, all of us, you know, me, you, and Ray Kelly, yeah. and Giuliani, and all of us, and we had to wait until they brought the casket, Joe's body, from outside the cathedral and loaded his body into the hearse. Right. And you had this, like, driving sleet, rain, snow, mm-hmm. cold. I mean, you would expect that. At a funeral wintertime in New York, it didn't feel great standing out there, but it seemed to be apropos, yes? Yes, it did. It really was. And it showed the fact that all those people were standing there, and that was cold, and the rain was like half rain and half sleet, but no one left. Everyone stood there, and they yep. stood there and honoring Joe, and then, of course, you know, the, you know, the pipe band and playing taps and uh you know, it was very moving, very, very emotional. Yep. And I, by the way, his daughters, what speakers. Oh, they were great. Was, uh, oh, they were great. And then when they took the flag, the, uh, I guess the flag off of the 
off of the uh, the coffin, Peter, and handed it folded. It. Yeah, that's tough to watch. That is tough to watch. Really, yeah. and then you know playing playing caps there and then wow, it's yeah. really. Uh, also, by the way, uh, Messina, he is absolutely brilliant. He is. Uh, oh, he was great. Yep. Yeah, he looks like a movie star. Every time I see him, I think it's Dean Martin. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. Dean Martin's a good call. You said that yesterday, talking about, of course, Monsignor Casado, who uh, had a great eulogy yesterday. He was terrific. It was just, it's a sad day, but a wonderful day, and I'm glad I got to spend it with you, Peter, you and Bo, great two of my best friends. Yeah. So thank you so much. I love you. Great appearance today. We'll do it again next week. Thank you, Sid. You got it. Thank you. My Bye. man, Peter King. It really was nice sitting there with Peter and Bo and... On uh, on this day, and Joe Esposito loved those two guys. I mean, he loved Bo and Peter a lot. So that was um, was a but otherwise sad day. It was a nice day yesterday. That wraps up three hours. It's been a great three hours. Peter King, Tom Kniff, back in court today with Daniel Penny, Curtis Saliwa. Spoke to Alex Trayman live in Jerusalem. Once again, folks, if you don't know, it is official. This show will come live from Jerusalem. Starting next Monday, January 29th, right through Thursday, February 1st. Four shows live from Jerusalem. We are heading into the belly of the beast. We'll come back with the fourth and final hour, including the best in the TV business. She's one of ours, too, here at WABC. The great judge, Janine Pirro. Keep it by you. And it won't be the last. This thing is going WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Well, there's a change of pace of fantasy and taste. Do you like good music? Do you like to dance? Oh, yeah. Hanging out for a body shop at night. Ain't a shame what we do to be all right. Oh, yeah. So, when will you call? I am experienced. My man Billy Idol right here. He sells out every time in Israel. Billy Idol, they love him. Flesh for fantasy. He got some good music, this bastard. He got, you know, White Wedding and Rebel Yell and Eyes Without a Face. So I'm in concert at the 
Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida, with my friend Jim Allen and Henry Pisano. Billy Idol, as uh, we get going in the 9 o'clock hour, we're going to talk to Judge Janine Pirro, who is the biggest talent on Fox. You know, I'm still waiting for Jesse to be back on his show, that bastard. I was on Brian Kilmeade's show on Saturday, and he got the best ratings he's gotten in I don't know how long. All these people waste their time with these other guests. I get them great ratings every time, every time. Well, I'm starting to sound like Trump, <laughs> but it's true. And, uh, well, Janine is on the five, and I watch the five every day. I really do. I really do. Parts of it every day. That's dinner time at the Rosenberg house, and we put Judge on. And then we shut the sound off when, um, when what's his name talks? Who's the guy that you, I must used to put on the, uh, the liberal from Tennessee, that jackass? Oh, is it, uh, Harold Ford Jr., Ford, yeah. Yes. We shut the sound off then. <laughs> it's just I mean, sometimes I shut the sound off when, um, when what's his name talks? Gutfeld, because he's annoying. He bothers me. But then we make it louder when Janine comes on. So. <laughs> Here she is. Louder. Mute it. Louder. Mute it. <laughs> Star of the Five and 11 a.m. on Sundays, Janine Pirro. <laughs> all right. Now you force me to defend all my friends. I love them all. They're all great. Okay. And enough of that. And by the way, you do you do give great ratings. That's for sure. So, uh, and I'll leave it at that. Well, so, thank you. Thank you. you. And you are great. I swear. My kids love you. My son, he's 15. He's like, that's your friend, Daddy. You ought to go, yes, she is. And my wife's a lawyer, so she's always respected, yeah. especially female. And what you've done throughout your judicial career and she's uh, yeah. very, like, Danielle's like that. She's into the whole female thing, you know, so she loves yeah. it. Yeah, well, you got to give us credit, you know, those of us who had to fight guys like you to get a level playing field, you know, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't yeah. easy. <laughs> no, I'm sure, but but you're so likable, and I love you. I'm glad for you, but then there are ladies that, you know, they're, they're doing well, and, and, and they deserve credit, but I can't stand them. And one of those happens to be Nikki Haley. <laughs> I mean, Well, let me tell you something. You know what? Nikki Haley... When she comes out and she says, you know, uh, right now uh, it's a two-person race. I mean, uh, is this woman smoking something? He's delusional. She came in third. She came in third. Yeah, but even if she does well, she's going to do well in New Hampshire. She'll come in second in South Carolina. It's still not a two-person race. It's Trump. That's it. It's Trump. It's over. Let me tell you what's going to happen in New Hampshire. Right. Trump's at 43. He's going to end up getting the vague uh, uh, votes, and that's going to bring him to, uh, uh, I think, uh, almost 50. Haley is at 29. She's going to get Christie's votes. That'll put her at 40. And, you know, Ron DeSantis is at like six and a half in New Hampshire. I mean, it's over. It just is over. And I think that when she says, I'm only going to debate Trump or Biden, give me a break. You came in third. Stop saying it's a two-person two race. I know. And, uh, and there are still Republicans, by the way. I just had um, Peter King, one of my best friends. I love Peter. Very smart guy, much smarter than me. I love Peter. You, you have to. If you don't love Peter, you don't love Jesus. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he, he's one of those people that goes on and on because he's been friends with Trump. But I don't know. He, he thinks that uh, Nikki Haley has a better chance of beating Biden. And I don't care if she does. I keep using the same example every time. If you're a football fan, you can't get to the Super Bowl unless you win the NFC championship. Well, the primary is the NFC championship, and she's getting waxed. So She is getting waxed. And give me a break. She's got all this money. She came in third in Iowa. 
She's going to come in second in New Hampshire. And DeSantis, by the way, kiss him goodbye. It's over. He's at six and a half. Uh, Ramaswamy's votes are going to Trump. I mean, give me Chris Christie's votes are going to Nikki. You know what? The base does not like Nikki. It's really that simple. And in the end, they can they can claim that she's great. And you know what? I think her discussion of a lot of the issues has been phenomenal. I really do. But should she be president? No, absolutely not. And then you listen to these people who say, oh, you know, uh, the only reason Republicans didn't didn't make her number one is because she has brown skin. I got to tell you, these people on the left, they crack me up. They literally are censoring Donald Trump's uh, speech when he won in Iowa, which was historic. It was the biggest uh, win in in history in Iowa. He got over 50 percent. And they don't even want to mention his name. And they say it pains us to do this, but we can't have him speak. Well, it's 2016 all over again, Sid. And you know what? These bozos, they can keep doing what they're doing, and they're going to lose again. And that's what's going to happen. Well said. Eight years later, we don't care. It used to bother me. And I used yeah. to yeah, I used to be like, wait a second. This is the media? They're not really doing this. I'm over it. I'm over it. There's two or three people left in the media on TV. You're one of them that I trust and I watch. Otherwise, I don't care. I don't need, you know, Bill Ritter on Channel 7 or or Kristen Welker. She's horrible. On Meet the Press and tell me what's going on. They are biased. They're no good. I know what's going on. You know what's going on? We're sick and tired of all this, all of it. And Donald Trump will be the 47th president of the United States. I don't think there's any question about it. And the fact is Donald Trump won in Iowa, urban and suburban, okay? Donald Trump won the college educated, okay? And the no college, he had 63% of the vote. But college educated, he beat out Nikki and he beat out DeSantis. So everybody take a look at what these, what these little, uh, the messages are, are, that are sending. Uh, DeSantis has no support. He's got no root. And if Trump wins New Hampshire, it is over. And he got 98 out of 99 counties. Are you kidding? Urban, suburban, college, no college. And you know what? People in Iowa say Trump fights for people like me. And when people in Iowa, which is a non-border state, make immigration the top priority, 44% say immigration is the top priority. They're fed up with the Democrats. They're fed up with the with the baloney. And they are uh, they are focused on bringing this country back to where it was when it was great. And the truth is, these people on the left, when Joy Reid says, you know, the, the, the what did she say about the it's all white evangelicals? No, please. What? They don't have the right to vote. You're a racist. No, she's, oh, she's they the worst. They don't have the right to vote. Yeah. Claire McCaskill. I don't care how you spin it. Trump. I don't think it was a great night. It was historic. <laughs> so here we go again. We're back to 2016. Just stay the route and make sure that, uh, you know, you don't let anyone sway you. And I want to say one more thing. I know you ask questions, but I want to say one more thing. This morning, someone was uh, on the news saying, well, you know, people on the left and people on the right, the extremists, you know, they're both bad. I'm sorry. But who who is gluing themselves in uh, in museums and who is blocking traffic? Who's yelling for Palestine? Who's yelling for Hamas? Who's not letting people get to airports? Who's intimidating? I don't know people on the right who's doing that. It's None. all on the left. Correct. These environmental yeah. lunatics and then the Hamas people. And I'm done. Go ahead. Well, that was brilliant.
And you know who says that? These are people, I'm not going to name any names, but I've got members of my family who I love dearly. They've been Democrats their whole lives. They can't do it anymore. But but they're also uncomfortable saying, I'm a Republican now, like Dove Hyken did, or Tulsi Gabbard, or I like Trump. So here's what they say, what you heard this morning. They're both bad. Nonsense. I no. get so crazy. What do you mean they're both bad? What, what, what do we stand for, other than maybe abortion, sorry, what do we stand yeah. for on the right that's bad? I want to hear this. What? Yeah. When's the last time we blocked traffic, intimidated people, glued ourselves in it, not just a museum, but in a, in a store or wherever, poured out milk, the crazy stuff that they're doing, intimidate people so they can't go away for the holidays, block the ability of people to get to a hospital, to get to work. I mean, these people have no regards for the rest of us. And in the end, hopefully Americans are going to see it. And the Americans are fed up. I've always said, Sid, that the reason Donald Trump won in 2016 was because of Barack Obama. And the reason he's going to win in 2024 is because of Joe Biden. People can't take it anymore. You're going to cut my law enforcement budget in New York City for the illegals? Are you kidding me? You can't go to Washington and you can't criticize Joe Biden? You can't. How about you bring back law and order? You know, people are children or victims of violent crimes and even worse, homicides. And then you've got idiots like this Alvin Bragg and the Danny Penny case. And I hope that something good happens with that case. I'm telling you that it's well, got to. No, I had Tom Kniff on earlier this morning. Maybe you heard it. He happens to be Daniel no, Penny's I didn't attorney. Talk to me. What do you say? Well, they're going back to court today, and they're, they're going to try him and his partner, Steve Razor, to get it dismissed. He doesn't seem to think that's going to happen. It's very unlikely to dismiss an indictment by the grand jury. But he did say that the testimony is eye-opening and that when it goes to trial, which will probably be sometime late in the spring, that he expects mm-hmm. this thing to be an easy win. And, you know, it's easy. you got to be careful because it is Brad Grand Jury. But he was ultra, ultra confident. Called me on the way to court literally about an hour ago. So, Penny, back in court today. If they don't dismiss it, we go to trial. That'll start late in the spring. And then I think Tom Kniff and Steve Razor will get the win. Oh, there she is. Hello. There they are. Yep, every week. You know, uh, you mentioned that Hold in 2016. You mentioned in 2016, you thought Trump won because people were sick of Obama. And you're right. Hillary Clinton was just an extension of Obama. And and so was Joe Biden, by the way. He's the same thing. Uh, Barack makes more decisions than Joe does. But what do you think? What do you think Biden will will rely on? I mean, January 6th, I guess he can still go there. What's he going to call Trump a racist or criminal because of the indictments? What is what is Biden's defense in the debates going to be against He's Donald Trump? Say extreme MAGA. That's all they have to say. The left is a party of hate. They are a party that is about division, about dividing this country. And all they have to say is those extreme MAGA people, they're racist, they're this and that. The same. It's the same song and dance from 2016. David Axelrod is afraid of it. Uh, Barack Obama is afraid of it. They know it's not going to work. Now, I have people that I work with, and they say, well, you know, he has an incredible legislative record. Uh, and, you know, one of the people was asked, uh, you know, is, does, does Barack Obama, is it a movement like it is for Trump? And that person said yes. I mean, come on. Please. They're into denial. 
They're, they say that the border is secure. It's not just denial. They're lying to you. They're saying that the justice system is, is fair when all you have to say is Danny Penny and you know they're lying to you. Criminals are running rampant. Illegals are coming through the border. They're demanding their rights. They're demanding where they're going to live, what kind of food they want to eat. And in the end, it's not going to work. It's not, Sid. I think you're right, and I look forward to that day. So on the way out, I I shared with you that it became official yesterday that um, my dream is coming true. I'm going to take this show to Israel and do four shows uh, the end of uh, the end of January, January 29th through February 1st, and you said you've been invited by Netanyahu's people, and you're still nervous, I guess, to go out there. And you're not alone, by the way. I mean, every person that replied to me yesterday, while they said, "Amazing, great, I love you, beautiful, blah We're blah blah," worried about you. Be We're careful, about right? You, right. Yeah. yeah. Look, I've been to Israel, I don't know, four or five times, and, you know, there's always something going on there. You always hear a missile overhead. (laughs) But, um, you know, and I'm sure that you'll be safe. I am. Um, And if if you have the right people with you, I'm sure you have the IDF with you. Yes. You're going to be fine. I, you know, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little antsy, uh, and I will go. I'm going to go in the spring, I'm sure. But I think the showing of support for Israel, I mean, the fact that you're so passionate about it, Sid, the fact that it's in your DNA, it's, you know, it runs through your veins. You got to do it. And uh, I wish I could be there, but you know, I'll go a little later. But God bless you for what you're doing. Thank you. And, and this is this is what we're we're talking about when people want to stand up for Hamas, you know, and intifada and all that crazy stuff, and they don't recognize the horrors that were inflicted. I mean, they declared war, Hamas declared war, and now that they're in the war, they want it to end, you know, in a minute. So uh, it doesn't work that way. Netanyahu's going to clean it up. You'll obviously be filling us in on what's going on there. And uh, in the end, uh, unfortunately, I think if we don't address what's going on with Iran, we're going to have to live with this for a long time. And Joe Biden, while he's in in office, Iran is going to play games. Get Donald Trump in there and nothing will happen. They won't move. God, this is such a great appearance by you. I swear to God. Give her an Emmy Award just for this for today. I mean, you're 100% right. Now, look, by the way, it's not over yet because there are still 136 hostages. Now, if you ask me, gun to my head, I think a lot of those people are dead. But I don't think any any of the 20 young teenage girls are dead. And I think those girls are getting raped every day by multiple people. Their lives are destroyed. It's gross. And it's still happening every single day, every day. So we're past October the 7th. It's terrible. But in terms of Biden, you know, I had Michael Goodwin on the show a couple of weeks ago, right for the post. He's great. He is great. But we had a huge fight. <laughs> because <About> what? <laughs> because I used this word complicit. I said, Michael, Joe Biden is complicit. He goes, wow, that's a that's a very harsh word. I mean, you know, he's been that visual. I go, I go, Michael, Michael, not one, but two administrations, two he has funded and babied Iran. Iran is behind all of this, oh, from the right, Houthi rebels right. in Yemen. To, so, so he is complicit. So Michael Goodwin writes an article. He yelled at me, has not come back on the show since. That was about a month and a half ago. He right, writes an article. Yeah, he writes an article the other day, and he goes, you know, Joe Biden is kind of playing for both teams. That's exactly what I said. He's complicit. Well, okay. The, first of all, um, you are absolutely right. Uh, I love Michael Goodwin. I don't agree with how he handled it with you. That's number one. Number two, Joe Biden is complicit 
with Iran. On the one hand, he's saying, don't, 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 no, no, no. Okay, I mean, he can't put two words together, so he only uses one. The truth is, if you allow Iran to sell oil on the open market and you continue to give them billions of dollars, you are literally allowing them to continue the war and continue the funding of all the proxies from Hezbollah to Hamas to the Houthis. It just I mean, you, this is this is elementary. OK. And to deny that, you know, I had an argument at a luncheon that I went to where they had a speaker He's a wonderful Jewish speaker. He was phenomenal, very high up in some organization. And they said, who would you vote for Trump or Biden? And he said, well, we vote for Biden because he's been so good to Israel. And I said, Biden is the one who was allowing Iran to continue to fund these proxies and continue to fight the wars, a half a million dollars a year to Hezbollah, not to mention what's going to Hamas and everyone else. It's a schizophrenic approach that puts American lives in danger. Servicemen in Iraq and Syria are being hit regularly. And, you know, we have this kind of uh, uh, it's like this impotent response. And I'm not even going to go into Austin and whether or not he's even involved in anything anymore. But, no, I disagree with Michael Goodwin. I totally disagree with him. Joe Biden is emboldening Iran by giving them the money. You choke them with the lack of money, and then they're going to buckle. Okay, but you keep giving them money to fund violence and to fund all this uh, terrorism, and they're going to do it. That simple. Well, that's it. George Janine agrees with me. I won. Yes. Call Michael. Tell him I won. (laughs) Thank you, Janine. Really, I'm so happy you're on every Wednesday. You're so good. And I'll be watching you at uh, 5 o'clock this afternoon. And, of course, 11 a.m. listening every Sunday. You're beautiful. I love you. Thank you. Love you more. Take care. Thanks, Janine. She is so good. My girl, Janine Pirro. By the way, I did. uh, I think uh, people misconstrued what I said. Or I said it wrong. It could be on me. I just got a text from my friend Lou Gellarmino, who's a big-time attorney on Staten Island. Big time. This is the guy that kept those migrants out. And he said, well, surprise there, Kniff said easy win. He never said that. I said that. So if it came across, he's too good of an attorney to say that. No attorney in the world, no matter how much evidence they've got, will say easy win. I mean, if anybody would have said that, it would have been Marsha Clark or Chris Darden. And how did that go? So it's never an easy win. He didn't say that. If I said he said that, that's what I said. That's good correction. Right. He actually said we've got overwhelming, overwhelming evidence in our favor. But you never know. That's right. And I said, sounds to me like you've got an easy win. So That's for you, yes. Yeah, he's way too good of an attorney to, uh, to say I'm that. I'm getting so. messages from Michael Goodwin wondering uh, how many times he gets hit by this bus. It's going to keep coming. coming. It's going to keep wants, coming. He's just wondering. That's that's good. Uh, he hasn't been back on since then. Oh, okay. I, I think I put those two and two together. I got that. Why hasn't he not been back on since, Justin? Uh, what, what do you mean? <laughs> is he scared to come back? Is he mad no. at me? What are you talking about? You have, like, silently suspended him from this program. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's come, what are you talking about? He's complicit. He's supposed, to make, sure. he's supposed to make it sound like he's mad or something. Make it cool for the air, you dummy. Oh, that's. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, that's my bad. No, but, sir, he would say yes in two seconds. There's not one person who's come on this show who hasn't said, Sid, you're right, not one. Now, I speak to a bunch of crazy MAGA people. I understand that, but... <laughs> But you can't give Iran money and not be complicit. I don't know what the hell Michael Good... And then he writes that column this week. He basically parroted everything I said to him. Well, so maybe everything. He, okay, so but then maybe he changed his mind. Maybe you convinced well, him to him change his mind. If he changed his mind and he gives me credit, 
he can come back. I'm not, I'm not putting all that in the message. No. <laughs> Maybe he this is, this is contingent upon one thing. You must... You must reach out to Sid right now and give him credit. By the way, thanks to Sid Rosenberg for uh, some of the... I'll tell you what, you son of a bitch. Now that you act like that, not only do I want it on this radio show, I want him to write it in the New York Post. (laughs) This is a formal retraction for my complicit remarks. Hey, the Post owes me a ton of those Richard Johnson just from the Imus days at Rutgers, trust me. They had me saying everything I didn't say. Okay. Everything Imus and Bernie said they had me saying, so at least Michael could do was apologize. The line on the left is for retractions. If you want... Are here for anything else, please go to the information desk. Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Boy, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Young, right here celebrating a birthday every time you go away. I want to say this song was like 85. Probably. But you know it's not his song. I didn't know that, no. Oh, you can, you can be interested then. I can tell you this. Jill Vitale would say they wrote this song for trains, planes, for and trains, automobiles. Right. Because they did use this at the end of the movie. For it, yes. Of course, it was not made for the movie. But, no. Uh, who? Somebody did this song before him? From Philadelphia. From Philadelphia. The Philadelphia area. The Philadelphia it's area. It's a duo, but it's really... Hall of Notes. <clears throat> Very good. Oh, is that true? Daryl Hall. Wrote I did know that, actually. I thought he remade it, Daryl Hall. That's no, so funny. He, and as a matter of fact, you know, he was so crazy when this got popular. He got mad? When he was in... He's a psycho, anyway. I, he is psycho. I mean, I know Oates is suing him now for uh, part of the uh, music, anyway. So now you're starting to see psycho. He was... He announced to the crowd. I remember this one particular time. All right, I know this song has been... Uh, 
getting a lot of play. Hijack. I'm going to sing it the way it's supposed to be done now. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a much bigger Hall & Oates fan than I am Paul Young, let's be honest. Hall & Oates are brilliant. Yes. And very rarely do I like the remake better than the song. But I think this one's better. Well, you can picture John Candy's face. That's why. Yeah, I guess so. That's, no, but there's a couple couple remakes I like better. Okay. Uh, there are some I like about the same. Like, for example, you're going to hate me for saying this. I know you are. You're going to hate me. Well, don't tell me then. No, I'm going to tell you anyway. No, I'm not going to listen. I, I like the Dixie Chicks. You know, one of them got killed in a car crash two weeks ago. What, one of the, yeah, one of the founders. The founders, yeah. Yes. Um, uh, the one who actually Natalie replaced. Natalie Maines replaced yeah. her, right. So uh, one of the, the, the Dixie Chicks and um, my guy from Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corrigan, redid my girl Stevie Nicks song. Landslide. Landslide, yeah. I think they were good. I think, I think they were good, no? That's okay. Yeah, it's good. And I it's... think, uh, who did uh, Springsteen's Pink Cadillac? Was that the Pointer Sisters? No, that is... Um, it was not, better. Not, uh, uh, shoot. It wasn't the Pointer Sisters, okay. No, I'll have to look it up. All right. I forget. You know, uh, Janine said she's worried about me. I love Janine, I do. And, and a bunch of folks actually said that they're, 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 there's nothing to be worried about, but they're worried. And I know John Katsimatidis. I, I thought Aretha. And it oh, is, maybe it is Aretha. 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 It is Aretha. Good call, Lewis. Very good call. Wow. Aretha Franklin, yeah. Whoa. So um, John is, like, going out of his way. He he texted Emily to make sure that we have all the security we need. So, you know, John's got uh, a lot vested in me, obviously. <laughs> right, I would think. Plus, he loves me. He legitimately loves me. He does. Margot does. The whole family does. But, I kinda, see, that's what I like about John. You know, like, the fan wouldn't care. But I wouldn't care. No, Jernoff would just make <laughs> me be on time. That's all. Just and I, I need you to do not go out the night before. Now, you, what are you going to do? Who's going to be with you? I, I I'm pleading with you. You're right. You. No, you're I'm right. Pleading. He'd don't, be worried about me going out on the bars and discos. And the, the Captain Matitis want to make sure I'm okay. That's the difference. So. I would I would probably ask Mark. Mark, you, you think it's going to be okay? Security? <laughs> like, you're just, oh, he's going to be fine. I just <laughs> want him to be there. Is it going to be? Uh, uh, somebody, we need some backup. His first question would be, why? Is there a Super Bowl there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this hour is brought to you by my dear friend Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Borders. It's cold outside today, folks. Replace that beast in your basement. <laughs> Get yourself a new peerless boiler. I just lost a bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, now I think there was cahoots going no, on. No, I did oh. no piece of paper, nothing. Oh, no. Okay. Let's go to peerlessboilers.com. <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, okay. I'm two bucks, Richard. Uh, it's okay. PavilionTankless.com. you got to do your arithmetic. You're one buck, Richard. <laughs> Jesus. They do make the world's best boilers. <laughs> Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. So a bunch of people yesterday contacted me and said, I entered, I entered. I go, you entered what? <laughs> like, I'm taking a nap. I'm, I got to make pee-pee. I'm tired. You entered what? Well, I entered the contest. I go, what contest? What do you... Th- you ever get that from people? They, they they assume you know exactly what they're doing, you know. Well, we probably should know about it, but we don't. Well, in, in defense of uh, Stephanie, Gina, and uh, Dougie, I know they came to me at some point and asked me about this, and I said, yes, I know they did, but I'd forgotten about it. So okay. I go, what contest? So you're to blame. <laughs> okay, good. I'll take the blame. Fine. That's yeah, a, because you're looking very lost <laughs> about yeah. it. Right, I'm completely lost. 
I go, we're going to the Super Bowl? What are we doing? <laughs> I'm in. No, no. Here's the deal, folks. This is unbelievable. You can, And some psycho is going to win this. It's going to be brutal, but. <laughs> right. It's not going to yeah. be a normal person. No, it's not going to be a normal person. It's going to be some, you know, psycho. You get to watch the last five minutes of the show live in studio. You get to meet me, Lou, and Justin. And then you're ready for this. Here's the kicker. Afterwards, we're going to have coffee. Well, you guys Where? enjoy you guys enjoy that part. No, no, you you're part of it. No, okay. You're gonna have Matt Meany run the board for ten minutes. So it's five minutes of the show, live in studio, you meet me, Lou and Justin, and then we have coffee. Okay. Right. What if I've had enough coffee that day? <laughs> oh, they'll make sure you load. So all you gotta do is go to uh, WABCradio.com slash VIP. WABCradio.com slash VIP. You enter, and then I have no idea how they pick the winner. But somebody's going to win this. Oh, somebody's calling already. They won? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. That is the contest. It's a cool contest. <laughs> if you've never met me, if you met me before, don't don't even do it. Just please. Even There's a lot of people out there that love me that can't wait to hear my voice every morning. Let let them do this. Don't don't come back for a second time. Although, Patty, I do love Patty. Well, Patty is going to win. She cool. I, hope she, I, I actually, love Patty, I hope and I love does. Olga. Olga's yeah. great. Okay, so maybe they'll win. Yeah. Okay. Otherwise, Great. let somebody who's never come here before win the damn uh, contest. Oh, sure, like any of those old sixty-year-old, sixty-year of Imus fans have come in. Well, who do you think are our fans, bro? I, what do just, you think? Are, uh, uh, our fans are people about to go to raves on a Friday night in, in Chelsea? I understand that, but yeah. they'll, they'll come over with these documents from nineteen seventy-four. I, I, I believe me, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> handwritten letters <laughs> in cursive. I've done this. Believe, I've been doing this for twenty-five Imus years. And Charles signed this for me. When I was, <laughs> yeah, like, Lou, would you? <laughs> No, I don't even know what the hell it is. I don't know. No. Okay, fine. I'll just hiss. Yeah. You know, I have a copy of this song yeah. that this is the parody that Rob did. Yeah. When it... oh, I know. I've done these before. But anyway, that is the contest. And uh, check it out. Uh, do it today. We're done for this Wednesday morning. That's the bad news. The good news is, as my dear friend Gene says, God willing, we'll all be back at 6 a.m. tomorrow for a Thursday show without the seven shows. Before we start doing shows live in Israel. Lou Rapino, great job. Amazing. Justin Ellick, you're gorgeous. Noam Layden, if you are a woman, well, you know the rest. We'll be back again tomorrow morning, folks. From all of us to all of you. <laughs> Peace! Come on! If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.